Welcome to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. Ever since The Force Awakens came out, there's been one person that I have been dying to ask about the movie, to get their opinions. If you've listened to my other show, Sci-Fi on Trial, you'll definitely remember Jenny Krantz. Her Star Wars story is very similar to mine, where we were both super into it when we were younger, and we read all the expanded universe novels and really kind of took it in, took in the universe in a very similar way, where it became very precious to us, and we both kind of wanted to live in the Star Wars universe as much as possible. I'm sure it's some form of escapism from real life. I know she mentioned bullying, and I was just such a weirdo when I was a kid. It was really hard for me to you know, make friends and uh, be sort of accepted and normal in society. So, yeah, I mean, Star Wars, Star Trek, all these things were my way to kind of feel accepted through these stories uh, and through these characters that I didn't even know, but, you know, still feel accepted by them. I think these uh, these futuristic societies of these these places, these cultures that had super different ideas about what it was like to be in a society and just to exist... Uh, just gave me so much hope for the future and kind of made me dream and imagine and pull myself out of feeling uncomfortable and feeling like socially awkward and all these things. So so when The Force Awakens came out, it was a big deal to me to talk to Jenny about the movie because I, you know, you've heard me talk about it on a couple episodes. I love it. I'm so into it. Uh, and Jenny and I had been kind of texting back and forth, checking in with each other because the prequels were such a traumatic experience for both of us. We, don't, we just wanted to make sure, like, are you okay? Did you like the movie? <laughs> and both of us, after the first viewing, were uh, not as excited about it as we are now. We both really came to love it after repeated viewings. So we'll talk about that a lot in this episode. But uh, basically, Jenny and I are going to talk about everything to do with The Force Awakens. We left out almost nothing that I can think of. I mean, we talked through the entire movie chronologically, and this episode is a monster. It's a beast. It's huge. Normally, I'd cut something this long into two parts, but uh, I'm, I feel like, why not? Just give you the whole thing at once. It's ready to go. So I'll just be, uh, I'll just be generous this week with podcast content. This thing is a fucking monster. It's huge, but it's awesome. I love it. I've you know, I, obviously I listen to these things when I edit them down and uh, I only cut out like maybe 10 minutes of the whole two and a half hour conversation that we had because it was just, you know, a bunch of nerdy, gooey goodness that I think you're really going to enjoy. So here is Jenny Krantz and myself talking all the way through The Force Awakens. should just sing the a long time ago in, in an apartment <laughs> complex on capitol hill all right so so let's start how's this work you gonna talk first am i gonna talk that's like my favorite line in that movie that was one of my that was one even the first time i saw i laughed out loud at that one yeah so 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 who talks first you talk first (laughs) it's hard to hear you through all the apparatus (laughs) um oh man so i wanted to do this the first time i had you on sci-fi on trial but i want to tell the story about how we met because 
it's such a funny event. So you work at the rendezvous, and this guy Juan works at the rendezvous. <laughs> Worked, yes. Yeah. And he invited us both to hang out one night. And I think I was working. Was I hanging out or was I working? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I, all I, I sometimes know... it's a hybrid. I'm like right. working, but I'm also having a drink at the bar and hanging out. It's probably one of those. Yeah. So I was there waiting for Juan to get off work and he's bartending. Yes. And I did not know this, but you were also there waiting for Juan to get off work because <laughs> we we're going to like your friend was coming to meet us and we were going to go That's out right. somewhere. And yeah. I, I didn't know this at all. I just thought that Juan and I were just going to like hang out when he got <laughs> off. So you and I are just sitting there next to each other, waiting for the same person to get <laughs> yeah. off work, having no idea that that's what was going on. And we just like, we didn't know who each other were. Uh-huh. That wasn't a good sentence. But we, we just started <laughs> we talking about sure. Star Wars. Do you, I don't remember why we started talking about Star Wars. Was it on the TV or something? Maybe. Though I bring up Star Wars surprisingly in a lot of conversations. <laughs> like I... I I tend to, to quote it or to one of us must have made some comment or something and like yeah. ears perk up and like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so because I, I don't generally start talking to people at bars ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just started talking and we got in this really heated discussion about how much we love the expanded universe novels of uh-huh. Star Wars. That's right. Like a really heated discussion about how much the prequels were like life shatteringly yeah. bad when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And then we realized eventually that we were there for the same reason. And then we ended up like going, I think we went to the upstairs. We did. Yeah. And then we went to, yeah, we went upstairs and hung out for a while. And then we went to, uh, Oh no, the upstairs. The bar, the yeah, bar. yeah. You're right. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We went upstairs in the rendezvous and then we went to the upstairs. The upstairs. Yeah. It's yeah. a little like speakeasy type. Yeah. Tiny place. Cause one, I think knows the bartenders over there. Yeah. Yeah. And then ever since then, I started podcasting after that, and I was like, I'm going to get that Jenny girl on my <laughs> podcast. So you were on Sci-Fi on Trial, yes. and your audition was <laughs> at the bar, <laughs> just talking about, talking about Star Wars randomly. Um, but yeah, and then when Force Awakens came out, we've just been like checking in with each other to make sure <laughs> we were okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, support, moral. How did you feel? How did I feel? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then just I've just been dying to do to do a one-on-one episode yeah. where we could just talk no, about it. No, I've been it. dying to talk to you about it. It's long yeah. overdue. Yeah. Long overdue. For the last podcast, we have very similar like that's why I wanted to talk to you so bad as I feel yeah. like we have some very similar histories with it and love for it and the same feelings about the prequels and kind of on a very similar radar with it. Totally. Um especially the expanded universe because you don't often yeah. meet people who were really into that and yeah. it, I think I mean, just driving back here from the movie theater today, it seems like we read the same books. Yeah. Like we read to the same period in the expanded universe and then stopped. Yeah. Dropped off about the same time. Yeah. Well, also, I, I sort of wonder, I think that dropping off in the books chronologically, I, I kind of wonder if that coincided, too, with the prequels coming up. Probably. Like, I wonder if that was about, because I think, again, the, the expanded universe was getting into about... 15, uh, 20 years, and maybe that was 1999 when prequels, and then that's when I sort of lost interest in them. I'm almost positive that you're correct, because I know that I was getting the Star Wars Insider magazine Mm -hmm. until the prequels came out, because I remember reading all the stuff about episode one in the the magazine, and I'm, I'm fairly certain that when I was reading the magazine, I was also reading the Expanded Universe novels, but I canceled my subscription after episode one came out, because I was like, wow, I don't care anymore. 
Like this is yeah. a this is a load of bullshit. And if this magazine is going to be covering this new Star Wars that is not my Star Wars, then I don't want to subscribe to it anymore. Ex- yeah, exactly. I I mean I remember having so okay. I was just home. I'm showing you a picture. This Ooh. was a stack because I'm a I'm a little bit of a oh, pack yeah. rat, a hoarder, and so I found in one of my dressers all my like. Basically, what we're looking at is pictures of Star Wars, <laughs> Entertainment Weekly with Star Wars on the cover, Star Wars Insider Magazine. Oh, my um, God. I had this issue. Mark Hamill on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> episode one casting one my, announced. Yeah. Wait, what? Uh, turn to page 15 for a peek at prequel Yoda. Yes, I had that issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, and that's about, yeah, that's the time, too, when I stopped uh, Yeah, reading the magazine. Again, yeah, because I just, I decided I wasn't interested in the prequels and I don't yeah. know my I guess my whole interest in everything uh kind of waned a little bit yeah um so you and I probably had similar trepidation going into Force Awakens yeah well yeah well the difference so I guess we can like talk about two like I guess our first because we saw it uh separately first time um my my anticipation and my expectations for this one I guess just because it's hard not to just compare, but we're different than even the prequels. And I think I even said in our last you know, time we talked on the podcast with the prequels, my expectations at that point had gotten pretty low from what I'd right. read, from my, what I've seen in the trailers. I was kind of, eh, I was already worried about it. This one was the opposite. I had decided this is going to be amazing. <laughs> I was jumping up and down. The day I saw it, I was at work. Uh, I work at a restaurant and I was just until one of the bartenders <laughs> looks at me and goes, oh, my God, just leave. Go, go <laughs> clock out and go watch the movie. Like I was getting to the point where I was annoying people. Wow. So I was I had I couldn't help it. My expectations were so, so, so high that I was bouncing up and down in my seat Uh and uh, the person I went with, I had to warn him that I might break his hand. <laughs> I sort of had to prep him ahead of time. Like, just, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. And then for both of us, like, the first experience watching the movie was not as good as as subsequent viewings. Where yeah. we both, today we saw it together and it was our fourth time each. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first time... I felt a little deflated after. Yeah. And I I liked it a lot. I really liked it. But I didn't get the feeling that like this is true Star Wars from it the first time, maybe. But I definitely got that feeling the second through fourth viewings where now I fully accept it and am yeah. very happy with it and love it and, and have, you know, can't wait to see it again, even though we just saw it an hour ago. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. It's and you felt a... similarly, right? You like it, you were a little deflated after the first viewing. Yeah. And it it. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't the same disappointment as with the prequels. It wasn't I wasn't sitting there like I hate this. Oh my god, this is the biggest disappointment. But I, well, but I was disappointed. It was mm. I'm trying to I've, I said I've literally never had such a change of heart for a film. Yeah. with multiple viewings, but the first time I think I found myself tearing it apart i found myself overanalyzing every little plot hole everything to the point i almost wonder if it's just kind of our generation it's like the youtube comment generation like i found myself (laughs) just super cynical like 
oh, that, you know, oh, that wouldn't have, oh, and, oh and, and now she just picks up a lightsaber. Like, what is that? <laughs> like, oh, that would never, uh, and oh, how convenient of that. And why is he, you know, taking his helmet off? And that doesn't, why would she go and do, and every little thing I sort of found myself picking apart, you know, what didn't feel right to me. I thought the pacing was a little too hectic. I thought it, I don't know. I was, I was a little disappointed with the Han and Leia dynamic in what way um well so here's going back to the extended universe i think the reason that was so hard for me is because i i had a certain i I loved their love story and i'd read a lot of the expanded in in the extended universe at least as far as i've gotten up to they had were still married they had a great relationship they had three kids and they were happy and they still had their same han and leia kind of you know cynical um sparring yeah exactly but they stayed together in the book so i think what jj abrams did actually makes a lot of sense for their characters and i i get it but i think just just my own romantic like i was like oh wait what (laughs) no i want them they're supposed to be together yeah and i i was sort of wanting a little more chemistry from them um that felt a little bit disappointing yeah it's there's so much expectation to walk into that movie and enjoy it yeah the first time is incredibly difficult yeah i uh i had a very similar reaction and it's funny like when i the first podcast i recorded about force awakens was when i realized how much i liked it because i recorded that after my first viewing and like I, I just ha- only had good things to say about it. I, and I it was a weird thing where as Wait, I was after talking... after the first viewing? After the first the... viewing, yeah. But after the first viewing, I didn't really talk to people about it because I didn't really know what to say or what to think. I was just kind of <laughs> shell-shocked by the fact that yeah. it had actually happened. That it happened, yeah. finally. <laughs> yeah, and it was real. And I, I had picked it apart as well. And uh, so many things just seemed so convenient in the plot. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, this is going to happen so that that will happen. And yeah. this happens so that will happen. And, I, and there was a lot of holes, but... Uh, but then as I started talking about it for the first time, it was the podcast that I released. I mean, I was just so excited talking about it because yeah. the things that really mattered were there. Like mm-hmm. the the character moments, the humor, the the tactile nature of the used lived-in universe yeah. is all there. Han Solo was there and he was in in a wonderful form. Like mm-hmm. I, I've heard some people complain that they thought Han Solo was too old. I'm like, well, fuck you. That's how old he is. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's stupid. He was amazing in this movie. He yeah. was so well, great. Well, they had the same complaints about Leia too. Oh, she's, she looks old. Yeah, she's old. Of course she looks older. Old. She's they're like old. older. I mean, that's what happens to they're humans. They're in their 70s. Like, yeah. If you manage to not look older when you're in your 70s, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Uh, like, yeah. Unless you're drinking the blood of the innocent or something about any yeah fountain of youth planet in the Star Wars galaxy. Like, of course, that was going to happen. Except for Chewbacca, who just didn't age a day. Well, he's over 200, I think, in Return of the Jedi. Is he? I think he's 200 years old. So he's yeah, his species must live. Interesting. Yeah, because he's very I mean, he looks the same in the prequel trilogy also. in Revenge of the Sith. So, I mean, they learned the mistake of Yoda in uh, sneak peek of Yoda on page 15. Yeah. They, they learned from that mistake where when Yoda came out in the uh, the Phantom Menace, he looked way younger. Yeah. But that movie was what, like 30 years before uh, A New Hope? Uh, about 20. 20? Because I think Luke and Leia are 18 or 19 in A, a New Hope. Yeah. So if they're but born. But Phantom Menace was like... Oh, right, right, like, right. Like 10 years before... Oh, right, yeah, you're No, right. like, like seven or eight years before... Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, clones. Yeah, you're right. So, about so yeah, like about 30 years. Yeah, 27 30 to 30 years, yeah. something like that. And Yoda looks so much younger. It's like, well, if he's 
like what is he yeah in the span 900, 900 when he dies yeah. yeah there wouldn't be that wouldn't much be any, difference yeah, totally in he'd look the, like a 50 year old looking 52 like that's the yeah, difference yeah it'd be exactly. nothing yeah. and they, they went back and fixed that later with cg and yeah. got rid of that puppet but but yeah so they learned that that lesson with chewbacca and make, made him look the same yeah yeah <laughs> i think he, he had a few little gray hairs here and there gray yeah. furs a little bit a <laughs> little bit but so what was it. the moment that you realized how much you liked it it really wasn't until the second viewing. I left the first viewing. I mean, can I, I still was sitting there being like, okay, well, I'm enjoying this. I'm not hating this. I'm not, I just felt kind of, I guess kind of what you said where I was a little shell shocked. It was so much hype that yeah. it was, I didn't quite know how to process it. I didn't know. I knew that I, I enjoyed it, but I just, I didn't honestly think, well, I knew I was going to see it again because I already had tickets, but I didn't think it was going <laughs> to become something that I would see. I kind of, I left being like, Okay. Well, you know what? I'm I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad a you know new generation is gonna have more Star Wars and, but you know, I, at least I have the originals and I just need to accept that. It was like sort of, okay, I need to let go. Um, you know, my my friend and I went off, uh, you know, and got some drinks afterwards and just dissected the whole thing. And again, we were just oh, we just couldn't help pulling everything apart. Um. Yeah, and I, I was honestly telling every because everyone was like posting my face. What did you think? What was going? Because everyone wanted to know because they know what a big fan I am, and I had to sadly be like, ah, yeah, uh, it just wasn't. Uh. But I didn't even want to say that because I felt like such an asshole. I was like, right. these are the type of. Am I just uh, again? Am I so cynical? Because I could realize I was like looking. I'm like, it's not a bad movie. What is it that's bothering me so much? Yeah, and I I just really couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot because uh, I, I realized, like like I was saying, I kind of realized before the first, the second viewing that I did actually like it, but I didn't love it. You know, I didn't think I loved it. And then I saw it a second time. I was like, I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Like, I really love this. And I saw it a third and a fourth time. And I'm pretty solid in the fact that I really love it now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it made me think a lot about my first viewings of the original trilogy and just like my preconceptions and what I bring into movies and maybe the fact that knowing what's going to happen in a movie and in a movie like this, where I have these huge expectations. Yeah. When I know what's going to happen, I can watch it through the lens of like, what is this movie actually instead of what do I want this movie to yeah. be? Because yeah. there's so many things that I want the movie to be. But when I, when I saw it for what it was the second and third and fourth times, I realized that you know, a huge portion of what I wanted is there. A yeah. huge portion. Yeah. And that's something to celebrate. And once I, and, and that allowed me to accept all the things that I wasn't as wild about. But then I also noticed that a lot of things that I thought were plot holes were filled in by like throwaway lines of dialogue that I just hadn't picked up on. Yeah. Well, there were some things I think, honestly, after the first viewing, I'm, I was so busy picking apart things and kind of blowing off that, like, I remember being, you know, I was sort of upset again about the, um, about the lightsaber battle with Kylo Ren and mm -hmm. Ray and Finn and oh they just again they pick up lightsabers and they can just fight him and but and I wasn't even paying attention to the fact I, and I know this isn't even like a small detail but the fact that he was really badly wounded right. that Chewbacca's the thing that they kept mentioning and bringing <laughs> attention to the fact that this thing is badass like this right. thing will destroy a stormtrooper and Kylo Ren just took a hit yeah. and is still fighting which is actually pretty impressive but yeah. I was just oh there's no way you know I, I didn't like that lightsaber battle like what is that that's just yeah you know there's a lot of subtle stuff happening in that that I missed yeah, and I had the yeah. same exact reaction where I was like well that doesn't make any sense like how could Ray defeat him but yeah. uh what another thing i miss is that 
I mean, Finn gets his back sliced open. Yeah. Like, he's really fucking hurt. Yeah. I mean, very seriously injured. And I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out in the next movie. Yeah. And, and of course, like, I had forgotten. I, I mean, Kylo Ren, like, punching himself in the uh, gut and bleeding. I love that. That was pretty, yeah. And for some reason, I think, I think what happened is that I was a little... Uh, again, like shell shocked because Han Solo had just died. Yeah. So I wasn't quite picking up on the fact that Kylo Ren was that hurt. I think I might yeah. have even missed him getting shot. Uh, yeah, because I don't remember. I remember seeing the blood on the ground, but it just, I didn't really, again, didn't process it. And I didn't right. connect it in my head that, right, okay, that would have made him a lot easier to fight. Right. You know, I didn't, yeah. But didn't. And then I remembered that I had the same problem. In The Empire Strikes Back. When Luke fights Darth Vader and survives, uh-huh. I was like, no, yeah. Luke's not going to survive this fight. But the the thing that, that you get at repeated viewings is that Darth Vader has no intention of killing Luke yeah. Skywalker yeah. at all. His intention is to reveal to him that he is his father and try yeah. to turn him to the dark side. Spoiler alert! Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's exactly what's happening in this fight. Kylo Ren is so intrigued by Rey yeah. because... At first, he's afraid of her. Yeah. Because she, she calls kind of, him out. She, yeah, yeah. His, she turns the tables on him. Totally. And then uh, when he meets her, he's afraid of her when he tries to like get in her mind and she kind of gets in his. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, he wants to turn her to the dark side. He says, you need a teacher. Yeah, yeah. So he is doing the exact same thing that Darth Vader did, where he yeah. is trying to just not get killed he doesn't, yeah. and, and not kill this other person, but open up the dark side in that person and then take the, take ray under his wing and make her his apprentice like that's yeah. what he wants to do yeah and, and not for a moment does she even consider that of course and not for a moment does well i i still i still wonder about this like does luke ever consider going to the dark side and return of the jedi because they should have made it more clear that he was considering that because that is a better story yeah but i think that i think that that's kind of the intention but they really just kind of pulled their punches on it and didn't really show that that was even an option for him yeah a little but I mean, I think he's still he. You get glimpses of it. I mean, he does. He grabs his lightsaber and strikes. Tries to strike the emperor, and right. Darth Vader guards it. Or you know, he the yeah, emperor but, successfully I mean, engages the emperor is him. Like the whole point of him being there. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's but you're right. He does it out of anger. But and, in the end, he the throws difference. his lightsaber away. Right. And he he, he comes right up to the it. edge and then pulls back. Yeah. And Ray never even comes close to that in this movie. She just never never considers going to the dark side at all. Well, I don't think, though, she... Yeah. I wonder what they're going to do with her later. Because she doesn't seem to... She has no training. She has no concept. No... She doesn't even know what the Force is. I don't think right. she even understands what the dark side or have any concept of that yet. Right. Um. Oh, but another thing that I thought of, again, with multiple viewings, just going back to that lightsaber battle, when I paid more attention to it, I loved it even more because... You know, again, first I'm like, well, Ray would never know how to, or how is Finn even using a lightsaber with no training? The lightsaber battles, it's made me very fully aware of watching, like, the lightsaber battles in this one compared to the original trilogy and compared to the very highly choreographed, beautiful, elegant ones of the prequels. Yeah. And uh, Finn and Ray, they're, it's very rough. It's yeah. very, like, aggressive. You can tell they, they're not, they're not wielding trained. it elegantly. Like, right. you can tell, like... Uh, and I, I read this. I didn't come up with this, but someone made a good point online because a lot of people were upset about that. Like, what are they doing with lightsabers? And it's like, it's not like they're complete novice. You know, he's a trained, combat trained stormtrooper. She right. obviously, we've seen she can hold her own with the, you know, with her little stick, her baton or whatever. Right. Um, but I actually, again, like it's something I appreciated more. If you look at it, they're very rough and yeah. and kind of 
they don't know what they're doing. And Kylo Ren looks kind of graceful at times. A little bit, yeah, but even he's a little rough around the edges. And yeah. I mean, they even say, you know, at the end, Snoke says, like, oh, I need to complete your training. Obviously, his lightsaber's a little janky. And right. I maybe. Like he built it not quite right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like something's a little off. I don't think even he's fully mastered the lightsaber either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, first viewing, I, I definitely felt like that fight didn't make sense. Uh, now I love it. Now I think it makes perfect sense. And I just. Yeah. I, yeah, it's really hard to to lose Han Solo and then be present in the moment after that. It's like yeah. you're just confused because it's just I couldn't believe they'd done it. And... How did you feel? Ab- well, how did you feel about how they handled that? I mean, did you? Because <sighs> I I, exp- I kind of expected that because totally. we we all know Harrison Ford wanted him to be killed off in the original Jedi, trilogy. So right. I I just love sort of, I have this picture of Harrison Ford being called in by J.J. Abrams. You know, J.J. Abrams like, okay, we really want you to be a part. And I can just see Harrison Ford sitting there with a smile on his face and being like, okay, yeah, no, I'll do your movies. You kill off Han Solo. <laughs> have your people call my people. That's my deal. Yeah. I'm out. You let me know. Yeah. Like, I have, that is the only way that I think that they would have gotten him to sign on. He wanted to be done with it. He, right. you know, he did a great job. It's interesting. Like I've read a lot. I've read some about that too. And I read this quote from J.J. Abrams where he says, like in first drafts of the script, Han Solo didn't die. Mm -hmm. And then they realized that there was no reason for Han Solo to be there. He called him, he's like, he's just luggage. He's just along for the ride. J.J. called him a sexy piece of luggage. But like, (laughs) what are we doing with him? And then when you kill him, he becomes the mentor figure in the hero's journey who dies. Yeah. And it's it's vital to these movies to have that because Qui-Gon Jinn dies in yeah. Phantom Menace. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan dies in A New Hope. Uh, when your new hero is embarking on their journey, their mentor has to die. And in these yeah. movies, it happens in the first movie and it happens towards the end of the first movie. And it, mm-hmm. like George Lucas will say, these movies rhyme. So Yeah, I, there's a rhythm and a rhyme. Yeah, absolutely. So I 100% expected it and and loved it the first time. Like I had... The the one thing I had no problems with ever was Han Solo's death. Yeah. Where, and now it's one of my favorite moments of the movie. And I've, I've said this on an earlier podcast, how surprised I was at myself that Han Solo dying could be my favorite part of the movie. But it's just so well done. And I've seen people complaining about how it was done online. I'm yeah. like, I don't get it at all. I think it was beautiful, like beautiful scene. And really, Ad, Adam Driver and oh, Adam, I'm so impressed with Adam Driver to yeah. to have a scene with Harrison Ford where he's not only holding his own, but killing yeah. a mo- like a beloved character. Yeah. And I just, I love, I love Kylo Ren. Like I, I love hating him. Yeah. And that's really valuable to me to love hating the villain in a Star Wars movie. That's so fucking exciting. Yeah. I'm just like, I feel like a little kid. I'm so excited. Well, yeah. And, and that's another, see, I, I didn't care for him as much the first time. I, I sort of saw, I had a similar uh, Hayden Christensen reaction to him a little Interesting. bit. Interesting. Wow. I thought whiny. Yeah. I thought emo, whiny bitch. He's a Skywalker. Perfect, just like his <laughs> grandpa. Yeah. But he really, really grew on me. And one of the things that I think is so fascinating about him is I feel like usually it's the... Everyone is having dealing with this pull towards the dark side and this temptation yeah. of the dark side. With him, it's the opposite. Totally. He has this pull... Towards the light. And so another complaint I've heard from several people and even myself was like, oh, he's always taken his mask off. Like, that's dumb. What's the mask even for? I think that is showing that battle. Like, for it's, you know, in Return of the Jedi, we don't see Darth Vader's face until the very end. And him taking his helmet off 
is sort of that sign of like that light coming back. And I think Kylo Ren taking the helmet on and off is kind of maybe supposed to show his kind of internal battle towards the light side. Yeah, the fact that he's showing his face means he's not completely. And he, I mean, he says that he's, you know, he feels the temptation of the light side, but I think that that kind of. Oh, you know what I noticed? I think my third viewing is that when he's having that, that, that moment on the catwalk, when, he's deciding whether or not he's going to kill his father. Yeah. Uh, for They're trying to sell it that he's not going to for a second, and I never really bought that. But yeah. I actually think that maybe he was considering not killing him because <laughs> when they're on the catwalk, there's a little bit of light streaming through, and it's a beautiful shot, yeah. like light streaming through from the star as the star is being sucked into Starkiller Base. Uh-huh. But when the light goes out... It turns, it turns red. It turns... Yeah, then it's just the red light on the yeah. catwalk, and that's the moment, I think... When he's surrounded by darkness is when his facial expression changes a little bit. He hardens because he looked like weaker, like his his lower lip was kind of trembling. uh, And he just looked like he was really fighting something and looked sad. But then when the light goes out, the star is gone Uh. and he's literally living in darkness where he's comfortable. I think that's the moment where he's like, I can do this. I can kill my father. So I feel like if the star hadn't gone out at that moment, he might not have killed Han Solo. Oh, interesting. And yeah, I didn't know. I noticed the light turning red on his face at a certain point in that kind of yeah they um, they, but, they all turn like the like finn and ray are up top yeah and they're kind of silhouetted They've in that light, light and they actually through. turn around when the light and turn around and see the star go out like they make a point right. of showing that in that moment so oh. everything turning dark i think is supposed yeah. to like be the thing that really clicks yeah. kylo ren to kill and, han solo yeah 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 Makes which i follow love. through with it yeah come, kind of come back to that there's, the there's a lot side. happening in this movie that's not said, which is yeah. so cool. Yeah. I love that. That's so, it's so Star Wars. Yeah. Because Empire Strikes Back, when Luke goes into the cave, it's such a confusing scene, like watching it for the first time when he fights the version of himself as Darth Vader. Like, what, what does that mean? Yeah. But then Ray's vision is very confusing. Yeah. And I've, st- I've finally started to kind of parse through it on the fourth viewing of really feeling like I understand the imagery of mm-hmm. what's going on. Or at least, I mean, even just can follow what's going on at all because mm-hmm. it's very like fast and confusing what's happening. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Every time I've seen it, I've tried to like pay super close attention and try and look around to the sides of the screens and see things that I might not have noticed oh, before. Cool. Or just yeah. try and pay attention. Um, but yeah, no, that's. One of the things that I've tried to do that kind of helped me with this movie, too, is someone posted some article with um, reviews of the original trilogy when it came out and of Empire Strikes Back. Uh, And um, yeah, in reading sort of negative reviews of the first one, and again, people kind of pulling apart little things like this and, oh, what is, you know, and I sort of, that also made me kind of be able to sit back a little bit and realize you have to kind of take yourself out of it and just enjoy and watch it for me. And, um, I don't know. Again, I'm kind of getting lost off track. What I was (laughs) told you that happened. It's, it's, uh, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's like a skill to be able to watch a movie with the wonder of your young self and enjoy it from the point of view of like, this is just a fun, enjoyable movie. But when you, that's what Star Wars is all about. I mean, that's always been what Star Wars is all about. And that's why I think it meant so much to us as kids is because it's approachable as a child Mm -hmm. and understandable as a child. So when you grow up, I mean, people that get into Star Wars as adults don't love it as much as you or I, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure that there's exceptions to that, but all the people I know that didn't see Star Wars when they were kids who saw it like as, as, uh, you know, closer to adulthood, they like it and they enjoy it, but they don't get what all the fuss is about. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's. 
And again, after the first viewing thing, I had to realize it's just that it still is never going to be totally replicated because, yeah, the originals are wrapped up in so much nostalgia and that, and again, feeling of being a kid and all that. But yeah. man, I'm just so excited where this new trilogy is going to go, though. And, and and I just I feel like now again with multiple viewings, all this sort of subtle imagery and and things that I did, I, I feel like there's even more of that. It's even almost more interesting than. A lot of what was in the old originals sort of have or a new hope even has like a little yeah. bit of simplicity to it. It's yeah. kind of like good versus evil. Right. Uh, not that there's not, you know, not a lot to to look for. But um, God, I'm just so excited. I found myself just diving in, you know, Ray's history and reading yeah. all theories and stuff. And once yeah, that, that started happening, I was like. Oh man, wait, wait a second. This is I'm back. I'm yeah. I'm back. This is what's happening. Totally. I, like, I'm uh, I'm ready to subscribe to Star Wars Insider Magazine again. I had the same fucking thought. Like I, there's that moment where there's that stormtrooper is like traitor, and then uh-huh. the the shock trooper who has the fight yeah. with with Finn. Uh-huh. And I know that they've released a comic for the backstory of that, and I want to get it because yeah. I want. I when I watch the movie the first time, I'm like, what's their backstory? I assume that they knew each other. Yeah. And there's like so much not being told in that moment, but it's yeah. a really powerful moment where Finn comes face to face with someone that he probably grew up with uh-huh. who then has like a fight to the death with. Yeah. I mean, that's something, that's something that I struggle with a little bit is the fact like Finn's turn against the new order is very fast. Yeah. That where, felt a little, uh, a lot rushed. Yeah. And of course, like, being in a village where all of your friends are slaughtering people would definitely do something similar to me, but when he then gets up into the TIE fighter and starts shooting people, yeah. he, he almost does it with glee, you know? Yeah, he is, woo! And he's yeah. so excited, and I'm like, you realize you're still killing people, right? You're yeah, and and they had just humanized stormtroopers <laughs> in a way they never had in Star Wars yeah. by making a main character a stormtrooper, where mm-hmm. you're just like, wow, these are all people now instead of just cannon fodder. Yeah. Which is, I mean, a big reason why... Uh, they made droids in the prequel trilogy was George Lucas wanted to make it more kid friendly. So you can just chop droids to shit, you know, mm, no one's going to care. Yeah. And they definitely do that to stormtroopers in the original trilogy, but now all stormtroopers are people. Yeah. I guess that whole, uh, unmasking is a big theme in this. Yeah. Seeing sort of that different side of the, a human side of the dark side of the, yeah. of the first order or whatever. I don't know. But we also, I mean, you know, pop culture has, uh, grown since the 70s where mm-hmm. i think we're ready for more adult themes yeah. in pop culture and we're ready for things that are a little bit harder to deal with that are maybe a little bit more challenging and i think star wars in a big way paved the way for that by yeah. being so dark in empire strikes back where uh that re- i mean it was a formative moment for me watching luke get his hand cut off mm-hmm. and deal with his father being darth vader i mean it was the first time i saw it i hated it i was just devastated by it because it was so yeah. upsetting uh, and of course, it's come to be my favorite over time. But you know, I'm hopefully a little bit smarter and more mature now than I was when I was a kid. God, I want see. Oh, even talking about the hand, I'm like, I want to know why. What happened to his cool animatronic flesh? Yeah. fake hand. Why is it back to oh, robot hand? Me, that reminds me of two things. One, I read that the first version of the script, the opening shot, was Luke's hand clutching the lightsaber, floating through space. What? Yeah, that it like fell out of the bottom of cloud city and eventually like fell into space and just like floated for a long time but they cut that out uh and then i think they actually might have shot that if i i think it might be a deleted scene i might be wrong about that uh and the other thing that it reminded me of is that like luke's metal hand Mm -hmm. um is proof that 
in Ray's vision when she sees R2D2 that that, is him. that, that yeah, was Luke. Yeah, that was a connecting. Yeah. 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 And Luke touching R2 as if he's kind of transferring information to him somehow with the Force mm. made me realize the one one of the things that was still bothering me multiple viewings in was R2 waking up towards the end. Yeah. But that was now one I'm of thinking those maybe Luke did it. Like That's maybe Luke I, woke him up. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I was excited. No, because I had that same thought recently, too, because I I had a similar sort of, I was like, I felt like Han's uh, passing, the mourning period for Han dying, I thought, was a little short. Yeah. Like, it was kind of like, you know, Leia feels it, everyone's sad for and then R2 wakes up, and I was like, whoa, 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 like, oh, you know, again, kind of convenient timing and everything, but now, so you said, I yeah. wonder if Luke, <laughs> I wonder if Luke felt that and felt mm. Kylo killing Han and thought, okay, it's time. Like I need, yeah. they need me now, or it's time to be, to, yeah. time to get oh, back. Yeah. Good point. Like good that, point. That he totally. sensed that. And that is, so it wasn't just a plot convenient. Right. And that's also what I keep trying to remind myself with a lot of things that I had quite, or like that doesn't make sense. Or blah, 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 blah. Okay, it's the first movie. A lot of this might be answered. Oh um, yeah. Uh, on the same vein, another plot point that really bothered me the first time, which was kind of cleared up within the first viewing was Han showing up immediately after they got the Millennium Falcon yeah, off of Jakku. Again, another kind of convenient, yeah. like really, even- which they tried to explain by saying, yeah. you know, you think we can, you know, like you think it's yes, con- like a coincidence that. that, that we found you. Um, yeah. but so, so here's even on the first viewing, something that I was thinking was Han seems to know who Ray is. Like the way so does Leia. Leia seems to know who Ray is too. Yes, yeah, exactly. That- I feel like they know who she is. Yeah. Uh, and he looks at her when she says, I've never seen so much green. He looks at her with this, uh, his yeah. acting is so fucking good. He looks at her with this like moment of shock. Like, what have I done to this girl? Yeah. But then this moment of acceptance, like, well, that had to be done. Fuck yeah. the universe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Leia totally looks at her the same way. And yeah. so there's I rec- think that- there's definite recognition. There's a recognition and there's. God, that's one thing I have to say. All three of the original actors did really well uh, with, with their saying faces. a lot in their face. Even yeah. Luke's teeny tiny. Every time I see Luke in multiple viewings, I'm like, man, there's a lot behind those eyes and in wow. that expression yeah. and that like you were saying a whole lot. And I was so impressed. And even I think Carrie Fisher was the one I had the most problem. I just felt like she wasn't quite Leia still I but yeah but she still had her moments there was a I don't know I really liked her performance I was actually pleasantly surprised by her performance really? yeah um hmm. just because I've seen a lot of interviews with Carrie Fisher and she's like this incredible hot mess and yeah. she's wonderful she kind of owns it though. I love it she, I know she, she totally like, owns it like her she, dog Gary she's yeah like, she's doing this like hilarious press tour but I'm like she's so far removed from from the young Princess Leia that she was, yeah. that I was thinking that it was going to be like awkward or something. And it wasn't. It was, I thought her performance was fine. You know, it wasn't like a great performance, but I thought it was fine. And I was very pleasantly surprised by that. And I, I really don't have any problem with it. Yeah, that's, I, I still see that's one thing, even with my multiple viewings, I haven't, I still don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is about her. I, there's just something missing to me. Han Solo, I was even, again, first viewing, wasn't even sure about him. Again, now that I want, I can't remember why, because yeah. <laughs> I think he's just got a spark in his eye. I think he's yeah. fantastic. He killed it. And yeah, she doesn't, it doesn't bother me as much about her, but there's still, there's something about like, she's sort of talking like, there's something still tonight. I do think yeah. it is just the, the, the life that Carrie Fisher's 
I, I hate up to, to say bit. this. I hate to say this. I think that they might have done digital makeup on her face. Really? Yeah. I I didn't notice this the first time, but in repeated viewings, uh, I like looking at the corners of her mouth. Something looks a little something CG is off to about me. Her mouth. That's yeah, the, I think that's that, the main thing that bothers. I think they might have like digitally oh, de-aged her mouth, oh, and yeah, which maybe. bothers me. Like at first, I thought that they used tabs, which is where they like kind of tape your skin up in your uh-huh. in, under your hair and your scalp. Which uh, I learned about when I watched Fringe when they did an episode where uh, Walter is younger. Mm. Um, oh, what's his uh, Peter De- Denethor from uh, Lord of the Rings? Oh. Yeah. What's his name? Oh, I didn't know He's he was... such a great actor. But I, I listened to a commentary and he was talking about how they de-aged him by using tabs, by like oh. pulling his skin back to like kind of make his face look younger. Yeah. So I thought that's all it was with Carrie Fisher. But on repeated viewings, I, I, I was really watching her mouth and I thought that maybe there was some CG there, maybe. which really bothers me. Like, let her yeah. look old. Yeah, because it was fine. I was when I first saw images in the very brief clip we got of her, I was like, yes, I was like, she looks she looks older. She looks, yeah. I mean, God, she's a general now. You you want to see that she she's seen some shit. She's had, yeah. you know, hasn't been, she's not a princess that lies around, you know, in her with her maids totally. waiting on her. And like people get older, men are allowed to get older and women, and women aren't. Are not. And it's that, like, that, the, no one is going to be talking about like Harrison Ford's face sagging no. with age but they will talk about it with carrie fisher and that's carrie fisher. yeah which is so ridiculous. unfair and it's frustrating ridiculous so well, that's, that's why, why i hate I... to even say that well, i thought I it was cg because i don't want people to be looking for that yeah but but i did i did i did think that well that's why i felt bad about even speaking out that i was unhappy with her and when i sort of was making fun of her mouth like i felt <laughs> she just felt very i'm like it's not I'm, i don't know how to say that without it's not the age thing like i'm glad yeah. that they've aged there's just something off about her i still can't quite she just seemed out of all the original well again luke not that we have much to go on with but she seemed just a little little off to me but again it was also i think there was something about their relationship that just was so not what i expected that Mm. i'm still having a hard time letting go that that wasn't how i wanted it i really i really appreciated that actually and i i I was the same as you where i have these preconceived notions of what the relationship was like because i read all those expanded universe novels uh but the it, it's still because I stopped probably like 20 years after Return of the Jedi about where you stopped. Yeah. Uh, or maybe even earlier. I'm not sure. It could have still happened in the expanded universe that like they could have from as far as I read, they could have broken up, you know? Yeah. And it seemed like they'd only been broken up for, uh, I would guess, like five to 10 years. I don't think yeah, it was well, that well, long. We don't know when he yeah. turned, but well, no, but the thing I, and I, yeah, it's like, I understand, and if anything, it makes so much sense for their characters. And what I do love about it, it's a very interesting kind of, because very rarely do you get to see what happens after Happily Ever After, you right, know, and the right. Disney movie ends and the princess gets whisked away and you it's Han and Leia and, you know, they're hugging and you're like, oh, and this is more, this is real life. And yes, it totally. makes sense for their character. They are both very strong-willed, stubborn characters Fiery people it actually is more likely that this is how that right. something like kylo ren in that event would have torn them apart and the fact han running off and going back to smuggling and leia kind of focusing on work yeah. makes total sense so i can't yeah. really be upset about it. again it's just some it was just it was bad it was just that kind of it was hard for me to let go of that on the first totally. viewing. Totally. Something else I kind of liked about that was that uh, i mean not absolutely not to discount your experience of it at all but mm-hmm. um 
in Return of the Jedi, I had always been a little frustrated that Han seemed a little toothless in Return of the Jedi, where hmm. he can't he can't even tell Leia that he loves her when he's about to be frozen in carbonite because he is so stubborn, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's such a... He's such a... He's got so many hang-ups about, like, how to be a person mm-hmm. that he can't open up and let someone else in. And that's very much a part of why everyone loves Han Solo so much is yeah. because... Because when when he kind of lets in that moment he lets it slip a little bit like that I know you know that he loves her too because yeah. of the way it's delivered yeah and that's why it's such a brilliant moment in cinema is because saying it any other way would be untrue to character you know well, yeah. saying I and love that you was too would be right that was his idea yeah he uh, I just I recently read the making of Empire Strikes Back it was not like ad libbed on set but it was like something that he presented to mm. the writers. And I think it was rejected, and then he tried it on set, and it and was it the one that worked. went. Yeah, yeah, it was the one that worked. Um, but yeah, I mean, Harrison Ford would come into the into the office of like Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas and say like, "This is what I think Harrison Ford or Han Solo should do." I mean, he had very he was very opinionated about how he thought Han Solo should develop. Yeah, and I think that I think that's a big part of why that character is so successful. Yeah. Uh, but then in Return of the Jedi, he just kind of he just kind of turns over and just does <laughs> what he's told and like uh it, it is like the perfect boyfriend all of a sudden yeah and, I, and he's jealous of luke and yeah. in a huh. way that is like he, he's like oh well fine you just go be with luke and it's kind of like petulant in a way that i yeah. wouldn't expect from han solo huh. so no you're right that's but, i never i hadn't really thought about that but the interesting thing is that if you put that in context with with him and leia ending their relationship and mm-hmm. then him going back to smuggling it actually works more for me it makes return mm-hmm. of the jedi work better for me because it's, like that wasn't really it's not the end yeah and that's yeah or yeah it's not like a happily ever after moment yeah yeah because they're going to break up eventually yeah and they're going to break up over something that's incredibly traumatic and very like real and awful for both of them that drives them back into their like less mature selves yeah. and i think that's a really good hmm. like look into life and relationships and i mean whenever i go through something really difficult i always turn back to the things from my childhood that made me comfortable or the things from when i was younger that made me comfortable so yeah 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 it brought a realism to the to their dynamic uh or brought their dynamic back to a realism that i've always really appreciated yeah i've definitely yeah i it makes total sense and i've made my peace with that (laughs) part of it uh for sure and i'm i i almost I wonder if they're going to... God, I just can't wait for... Oh, can't wait for episode eight. Um, I sort of wonder if they're going to do any sort of flashbacks or kind of yeah, explain like that turn. That and and um, I don't know. I just... I had another... I, I don't... Another idea in my head wondering if... Uh, you know, there was all this speculation. Has Luke, has Luke turned to the dark side yeah. too? I'm sort of wondering now... Um, Obviously, I mean, when we see him, he he looks very Jedi-like. Right. Uh, I don't know. I'm wondering if he had a turn as well or if he was somewhat responsible for... For uh, Kylo Ren turning? For Kylo Ren. Yeah, if that's... Or maybe, I don't know, another reason why he isolated himself. He didn't trust himself or something or... I have been thinking the same exact uh, thing. I I was so on board with the Dark Luke theory. Yeah. I really wanted it to be true in a way because... Because again, like I really felt like he needed to struggle more in Return of the Jedi. Like mm-hmm. I love Return of the Jedi, but there are things about it that were that were disappointing to me, that remain disappointing to me. That I, I felt like they could have gone a little bit further with the darkness in that story and made it mm-hmm. more effective. Um, 
so Luke turning bad after that because of his touch with the dark side while he's yeah. defeating Vader and the Emperor. Uh, well, just defeating Vader because, you know, he he did not defeat the Emperor, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I, I liked that. I liked that, that maybe like the redemption story of this new trilogy will be Luke himself. Yeah. That could be great. So I have a new theory. Oh. Um, what if Luke is Snoke? <laughs> oh gosh because Snoke is just a hologram I'm just like grasping at straws yeah, trying to hold on yeah. to the dark Luke theory but what if uh, what if like Luke is uh, Luke has isolated himself uh-huh. and uh, is running the first order from this planet and where he's like on this little island in Ireland <laughs> yeah no and then I mean and even this whole him deciding to be found could be kind of a a ploy. ploy like the right moment he's like okay i need to now because i mean that's palpatine was you know the good guy or you know just in disguise for a long time so luke kind of trying the same tactic be one become one of them be you know yeah he's would have been the most trusted you know person in the republic but yeah snoke i'm really i am curious about i mean you know there's the theory that he's dark uh plate plagi- darth plagueis plagueis, yeah plagueis. i they have like explicitly come out and said that that's not true. Oh, really? Which oh, is a I bummer. didn't read that. Uh, Andy Serkis came out and said that he is not Darth Plagueis. Uh. They've done this before with, you know, Khan and John Harrison and Star Trek Into Darkness. So mm-hmm. who knows? But uh, I, I liked that theory a lot. I, I was really into that. I thought that could be super cool. Yeah, I thought that would be. I Here's the other weird thing that this movie has done. It's made me like the prequels oh really a little more holy shit which is we are not like them but appreciate them more as part of this over i'm starting to see what episode seven has done for me is i'm starting to see this all sort of connected as one where i've historically as we've talked i've i've shut out the prequels as and now i'm sort of starting to appreciate them for what they are and how and i kind of almost want a little bit of connectedness to them i want there to be kind of an overall arc and i like i wouldn't i would have i thought the whole him being darth plagius uh would have been really interesting yeah connect and i don't think that um i don't know i don't think that he needs to necessarily ignore the prequels right and pretend that they didn't exist but kind of give I, i don't know like i said something about the lightsaber battles in force awakens for instance is I don't know. It started making me think about the lightsaber battles through each trilogy and how unique they are. Like uh-huh. for this one, again, this kind of rough, kind of awkward. And then A New Hope um, or the original trilogy, sort of somewhere in between. You have that awkward kind of old man, Darth Vader, uh, Obi-Wan lightsaber fight. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, there's there's some elegance. You see a lot of Luke's passion. And then the ones in the prequels are just the most, most beautifully choreographed and right. elegant and you know, high t- I don't know. It's yeah, so just, I totally weird is happening with that. It's interesting you say that because I had a moment today when we just watched it that was the first time where I actually like something happened that made me like the prequels better, mm-hmm. which had not happened at all for me thus mm. far. Um, and actually, like my first viewing, the prequels were detracting from the movie for me uh, because the very first shot of the movie when you have that star destroyer coming across the screen and then a couple of ships come out and fly close to you uh-huh. you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. Uh, those ships when they fly close to you look very cg to me and the mm-hmm. star destroyer looked very like it looked like a model i'm sure it was it was cg but it looked like a model and it had that realism that a model would have uh-huh. but those ships like flying 
impossibly close to the camera yeah. with impossible smoothness yeah. was a very I mean, prequel looking uh-huh. shot. And immediately my brain goes, oh, fuck it. It's CG. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> which is what I've been trained to do because I, I dislike the look of the prequels so much. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that I like about the prequels. I'm down on them so often and I never talk about what I like about them. There's plenty that yeah. I like, but I don't like the visual style. Yeah. So my first viewing of Force Awakens, that was hard for me. And there, uh, I'd say like 90% of this movie, that was not an issue at all. But 10% of the movie uh, did harken back to the visual style of the prequels. And it yeah. was difficult for me to accept. But then today, something switched in my brain. You know the shot right after the battle at uh, Maz Kanata's mm-hmm. place when Leia shows up for the first time? Yeah. They land in a transport that looks a lot like a transport that they that Obi-Wan and Anakin took in Attack of the Clones. Huh. Right before they go to visit um, Dex at the restaurant. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, huh. So I had this weird moment. I'm like, wow, that does look like that transport. And then I, my brain just went off on this weird tangent. We're like, well, I guess some of the technology from that more elegant era would have survived. Huh. And then I had this other flash. I was like, holy shit. It's supposed to be more elegant. Like yes. Obi-Wan says, yeah. like specifically, a more, yeah. a more civilized age. Yes. And then I never really translated that into our own history before. I know Ryan was talking about this in We're Sci-Fi so on Trial like, when he was talking yeah. about like fancy cars from the uh-huh. 70s, you know, and like yeah. now cars got boxing in the 80s. But then I thought about fashion and I uh-huh. thought about... Victorian England what if like the prequels were like the Victorian era where you have this high society but then there is I mean the empire takes over and society crumbles because it's under this iron fist and then you get this dirty used universe because people are being uh, like ground into the dirt by this evil empire and then the whole thing just started to make more sense to me that is exact I've had seriously the same except for I started comparing it to like ancient Greece in my head (laughs) and then I thought of you know and then comes like the dark ages you know and and ancient Greece like the artwork the the strides they were making with like Greek sculpture and artwork and technology a lot of that was sort of lost again it was rediscovered in artifacts and whatnot and so yeah when I started thinking about it I did the same thing I started thinking about the prequels in terms of our own history, because that was one thing that bothered me. I was like, why everything looks so nice? Oh, there's, sh- how did, the- oh, it's again, you're just, you're forgetting your original trilogy, George Lucas, you know, you're forgetting what right. you made and you're just trying to show off and you're, you're having, a, where did all this technology, where did all this beautiful, these beautiful ships come from and all these buildings, like it's supposed to be in the past. <laughs> and then, yeah, thinking about it in that different sort of context, again, whether it's Victoria or Greece or whatever, is it's more beautiful, made me also sort of appreciate it. Yeah. A lot more. Um, did you read too that um uh Captain Phasma Oh the, the her, her armor of the her, ship, her, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did read that. Yeah. Well you got you gotta tell it so well, now people listening will know what we're part, talking about. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that her armor was uh was put together by metal from wh- whose ship was it? I can't remember though. Amidala's ship. Um, Queen Amidala's yeah. ship in the, from the prequels. Yep, her shiny metal ship. Yeah. Which is fucking awesome. Yeah, that's so, so that was when I read rad. that. I was like, that's really cool. Which She's just like walking around in this like insult to the old Republic. Right? Yeah, fucking like a cool. big fuck you. Yeah. Oh, uh, her character though, that's another, that was another one of the things that just bothered me so yeah. much because I was so excited to see this, again, this badass female villain stormtrooper and I felt like she was total waste. Yeah. Uh, kind of useless. That's one where I'm just holding out hope for the next yeah. one. Yeah. That's why, yeah, I think 
they might completely redeem her because now she could have, you know, I'm sure she survives and she's going to have this big vendetta against Finn. And I'm foreseeing some epic battle between yeah. the two of them. I'm sure. I So here's what I'd love to see with with Captain Phasma. She betrays the stormtrooper. Like she betrays everything that she believes in when she lowers the shields. She is directly responsible for Starkiller base uh, yeah. being destroyed. Uh, and then she's thrown in a trash compactor. So yeah. obviously, obviously she escapes because it's that type of movie. Yeah. I think that I don't think she can go back to the first order because I think that she's so militant and regimented in her mind. Because I mean, she's leading this, yeah. like these troops. I, as a military leader, she has betrayed everything she believes in, and it was directly responsible for the destruction of everything she believes in. So I don't think she goes back to the first order. I think huh. that maybe she. Kind of, maybe we run into her next without the helmet on and just as like a, maybe she's huh. a smuggler or something. She's yeah, gone maybe. off in the galaxy on her own and uh, is trying to make her own way. And she runs into our heroes accidentally somewhere. They see each other. They get really pissed and they have a fight. Huh. And then they, um, I, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they don't even know who she is at first or something like yeah. that. But maybe she starts to work. Eventually she realizes that like that she wants to be on the side of good and like turns. That's huh. this is this is my my fan theory that I'd love to see because I love Gwendolyn Christie so much and I yeah. want I want to see her unmasked in yeah. Star Wars. That's I was disappointed to not see her unmasked for sure. Yeah, I I mean I didn't have so much problem not seeing her unmasked. I just it was just another like my expectations for her were yeah. so great. I was like this is gonna be awesome. This is she's gonna be such a badass, and it felt like such. A waste, right? But but also, you know, you think about again, just looking at kind of even like Boba Fett, who became one of the coolest, yeah. most popular characters. He gets, he goes, wow! Last you see of him, he's flying yeah. into the Sarlacc pit <laughs> like a doof. Like he like kind of has, a, he has a very unfitting ending for his badass for sure. character. He just kind of like, you know, gets yeah. in there and you know, obviously. As we know, he survives because of the extended <laughs> universe. Know. But yeah. you know, but in terms of the movies, that was it. Right. And that was kind of a very like, oh, the heck? yeah, like what the fuck. So I wonder if people had that reaction. Yeah, I think that this is a fault of the marketing, where the marketing really made her out to be a big deal. Yeah. Hey, big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she was like barely around. But, but the marketing for this movie was brilliant. I oh, mean, yeah. I loved it. And that's my only qualm is that they gave me unrealistic expectations <laughs> for Captain Phasma. Um, but it could have been, again, maybe it was some kind of misdirection, not misdirection, like when have they, I yeah. don't know, kind of like how they did, you know, with Scream is the famous trailer oh, making yeah. it look like someone is going to be like this Drew, big, Drew Barrymore, Bill, right? Drew Barrymore is yeah. going to be the big the hero big or something, and then kind of, and uh, I don't know, although I don't know quite how to compare that to, because there wasn't, I mean, we all knew Kylo Ren was going to be the villain, I don't know, right. just kind of. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I didn't. Qu I don't quite know what to make of that yet. Yeah. I feel like that's not a question we can answer until yeah, episode eight comes out. That's one of the things. Yeah, again, I was upset at first, and I was like, you know, we don't know what's gonna yeah. happen. She could have her redemption. She might. What if she died on Starkiller Base? What if she exploded? Ugh, yeah, that's the end of it. I don't know. I mean, they are that like making be... comic book backstory things with her. Yeah. So oh, you I know hope what I noticed? Not gone. I hope so too. You know what I noticed today that I had not noticed at all? There's a moment where. Uh, I think it's Kylo Ren is getting a report from a stormtrooper and it's a female. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you notice that? Yeah. That's no, so that's, cool. Well, so that's another thing. So talking about the things that I loved the first time, the diversity, and yeah. it's something I notice more and more the more times I've seen it, the diversity of the world, of the universe, of the galaxy is amazing. There are females, there are 
African-Americans or Asian. They're, it's such, they're aliens there. Yeah. It is just such, <laughs> a, you know. It's a rich universe. Yeah. yeah. The way it should be. Yeah. The galaxy is not run by white people. <laughs> yeah. I love that they're female stormtroopers. Yeah. And, and the, not just Phasma, that other yeah, random one too. That was yeah. great. Yeah. I know. I didn't, I hadn't caught that the first time. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Do you know that the stormtrooper that Ray does her mind trick on? Did you know that's oh, yeah, Daniel, Daniel Craig? Craig yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Oh man. Oh, there's so many little moments in this movie that make me so happy. Yeah. Let's Let's go like chronologically through the movie and talk <laughs> about the things that we fucking loved. <laughs> okay. So, well, or just things that like yeah. stuck out to us. Okay. Yeah. Opening crawl. Yeah. Have you, the the grammar in the opening crawl is incorrect. Have you noticed this? Have you heard, read no. about this? Um, there's like something about Leia's trying to find her brother Luke and bring something to the galaxy or whatever. There's uh-huh. supposed to be a comma after brother Luke, comma, and. Oh, like really? It's a run on, it's a sent, not a oh, run on sentence, but it's like, a, it's incorrect grammar. And there's people online who are trying to say that it means something for the story and i don't remember what i think it's just a mistake huh but i remember reading it the first time and being like this sentence is weird and then i like read about it online that it was actually incorrect grammar i did not notice that yeah it's kind of funny i mean my grammar is pretty bad so i probably wouldn't have picked that one out but huh i'm gonna have to look that up though now look at the theory (laughs) there for a reason yeah what was that theory Something yeah, usually... about there being like a third a third Skywalker sibling. Oh. Like find her brother, like not her brother, comma, Luke or something, like her brother and Luke or something. No. Huh. I, I don't remember what it was. It didn't make much sense to me. <laughs> um, but then, so we get down to the planet. I, I love the opening shot. I love the opening shot of the, the Star Destroyer. I keep talking about this on all my podcasts. The Star yeah. Destroyer, like, come in silhouette, coming uh-huh. across the screen. And then that other ship flying towards you where I have this moment of, like, is this going to be like the prequels? But yeah. then you immediately cut to inside the ship, and it's a bunch of people in Stormtrooper costumes. Which, yeah, which in the I, prequels, love, I love that shot. I love that shot. In the prequels, you just never see anyone in Stormtrooper costumes. It's always yeah. CG clones. Yeah. Every single one of them was CG. And all the Stormtroopers are different height, so it's a, a clue right away that these are that not clones. Is, yeah, that it's not the same. And again, like... Expanded Universe Stormtroopers were not clones. They were taken at birth and conditioned, just like in this movie. See, I had forgotten that. I had forgotten that detail about the Extended Universe. Yeah. They actually, I mean, people could enlist as Stormtroopers in the Extended Universe. And I am pretty sure, I'm almost positive that Han Solo at one point was a Stormtrooper very briefly. Huh. Uh, I, I feel like in the Han Solo trilogy, when he rescues Chewbacca... And Chewbacca becomes like his indebted to life the for life Han dead, Solo. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it was when Han, like Han had signed up as a stormtrooper or something and then like hated it and broke free of it and saved Chewbacca in the process. Huh. I, I don't know if that's true or not. That's what I remember from when I was very young and I read that yeah. book. Yeah. I don't remember, but I don't think I read the Carillion Kyril- trilogy, I think it's called. It was, uh, the Carillion trilogy was a, a, I read that one all, that was a different, different one. one. I, I think. I think there was like the, the young Han Solo trilogy mm. that I'm thinking of. Which I, I loved. It was great. When you know they're casting for that. Oh, right. They're casting a Han For Solo. young Han Solo. People, yeah. Which apparently has been Lawrence Kasdan's like dream project, like huh. pet project for a long time. He huh. always wanted to write that movie. Fucking Lawrence yeah. Kasdan. What a great guy. Uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, we get down to Jakku. And then I just like, Poe Dameron is just the most He's a great way. Character. I think he is a great way to start that movie having yeah. him and i love well you've i'm sure you've heard that uh 
they're sort of they wonder if the first the very first line of dialogue is a little <laughs> jab at George. This will totally. begin to make things right. Totally. And now every time that now that I've read about that, I love it. Yeah. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm I just like, that the I first love time. it. I thought that the first this time I was like, I'm sorry right. for the prequels. <laughs> Let's make a good Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah. That character's name, I think, is Lars von Tecca, which they don't even say in the movie. Yeah. But Max von Sydow is the, the actor. I I loved that character. Yeah. Well, the brief, yeah, the brief time that he's he's there. Yeah, he was like super effective at like feeling he, weighty. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. He felt he felt like, and I loved his sort of affectionate, um, you know, talking about Leia. As yeah. you know, to me, she's royalty. Yeah. And kind of. I thought that that was even in itself a really nice. Uh, way to introduce this as kind of bringing back a little bit of the original trilogy and that kind of history and totally thing and um but yeah and Poe Dameron uh, getting that sort of humor out there I, I just every time I see I love it how's this going you gonna talk do I talk yeah do I talk first? <laughs> it's hard to hear you under that mask like just like a great I don't know I thought he was great he's um, he's incredible yeah a couple episodes ago I went on and on about how he's just the best. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a very good... He adds... Because that was one of the things that the prequels were so lacking is... I'm sorry, you need a Han Solo type character. Right. Or just someone that's going to be there to like bring yeah. you back down to earth and remind you like, hey, come on. There was no one really funny in the prequels. Right. There was no one-liners. There was no... It was all Jar Jar and he wasn't funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you need... Uh, you, uh, it's so much about being in a life or death situation and then making fun of it. That is like the core of why I love Star Wars so yeah. much. These people just kind of roving through the galaxy and snapping one-liners. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That, that's yeah. all I want. That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he like Poe just nailed it and Oscar Isaac knocked out of the park. The one the one thing with Poe that I don't like that really drives me crazy is his uh in, in the end, when he's in the fighter gear and he's got his helmet on, mm-hmm. have you noticed that like his, the piece over his eyes? Um, at the bottom of it, it's like angled, so you see this like weird reflection of his eyes over his eyes, and it looks really bizarre. Oh, really? Yeah, like <laughs> I it, noticed that. The it's the worst in the last shot before they go to light speed after uh huh. after destroying Starkiller Base, where it, his eyes just look doubled, and it looks bizarre. Oh, really? Like, why did no one notice that and like, fix how that did prop? You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to pay attention on the fifth viewing. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, I that was one thing that bothered me too. Is I loved his character so much. I thought it was handled a little weirdly how he like he's there in the beginning. He right. gets the story started off, disappears for the whole thing, and then just kind of shows up again. Right. I felt his reentry, and again the fourth time didn't bother me as much, but I still feel it was handled a little strangely to just have him gone. And then just kind of reappear. I agree. And, and I think that this this is another place where the marketing failed is because they showed him in the X-Wing later. Yeah. So you knew he was coming back the first yeah. viewing. So it wasn't. So yeah, it exactly. seemed pointless. Like the whole the whole point of that it is to make you think twist. that he's dead. Yeah. And when you, you don't think he's... for a second that he's dead, it just seems dumb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, if but it had as been the a movie fake stands, out, then that would have been interesting. Right. But even still, like, I barely noticed him, I think, the first time when it took me a second to realize even, oh, oh, that's him in the X-Wing again to, like, process that, like, oh, okay, I guess he's back. Okay, cool. You know, good. The but, only reason I knew that was him instantly was because I'd seen that shot in the trailer. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, something else that every time I see it in the movie, I all, I keep wanting to bring it up on the podcast. Uh when I was uh, several episodes ago, I was talking about the prequels, how nobody looks around in wonder. 
at their environment. Uh. It's like they're all just kind of like there and they don't give a shit. And I think that that's a big part due to the fact that they were always on a blue screen yeah, stage. Yeah. So yeah. they don't know where they, they are. So they had no idea what they were looking at. Yeah, so they're not reacting to it. So yeah. I think a, a combination of poor directing and like just shooting everything on blue screen. When uh, when Poe's taken back <laughs> to the the Star Destroyer and he walks off of that transport ship, the first thing he does is look around in wonder. Huh. And I, yeah. it just, man, I love that moment where he gets into this, the Imperial ship for the first time or the first order ship. And he's just like, yeah, this thing's like, fucking big, yeah. you know? <laughs> or Ray, when she gets to Maz Kanata's planet and is looking around too, same yeah. thing. And she even comments like, I've never seen this much. And she's yes. kind of in awe of her surroundings. Totally. Um, I love it. I love it so much. That's so intrinsic to what I loved about the original trilogy is going to different places and being surprised at them and having the characters be surprised at them. And they nailed that in this movie. Well, yeah. And that, oh God, again, I felt like such an asshole not liking it the first time around. Is then I look at him like, wow, he actually, all my complaints, so many of my complaints about the prequels, he really did take such, con- you know, me personally, because he was, you know, I'm sure he read my letters and he did this all <laughs> for me personally. But like, the really, he did such a good job of making this feel tangible. Like, I loved Jakku. I loved yeah. every little, that little bird pecking. Oh, the bird at pecking. The yes. Or, um, or uh, I love I that can't bird. Remember his name, but um, the one that captures BB-8 at first in the net on his little transport animal. Yeah. That she, you know, speaks. Oh yeah, what's his name? I know. Ugh, I can't remember when she's speaking to him in his language. I love language. that guy. I love that guy. It. I wanted the action figure, you know? Yeah, <laughs> all of them. But they were so well done, even better than uh, the originals. Yeah. I feel like the puppets were way more believable, Amazing. yet still so physical and just so present. Like, I yeah. loved them. I loved the, the world. The big pig thing drinking out yes. of the trough. I think its name is Hogswaddle. <laughs> um, yes. That looks so real. It's amazing. Like that's that's one of the best special effects I've ever seen. And I don't even, I can't tell. It's, did they just build something that large? Or was it forced perspective and that thing was smaller? I couldn't I'm tell. Not sure. It looks so fucking real. Well, and I think some of, like, I think, um, uh, what's his name? Um, God, the, the, the dealer that gives her her rations, her porn. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I read he's a combination, actually, of right. puppet and some CGI. Yeah, yeah. Which his you can face kinda is kind of CG. Yeah, you it's a little tell. bit. You can tell. It you bugs me. You can tell me. a little bit with him, yeah. yeah. Where I feel like almost they maybe could have just made him... Made him a puppet. A puppet. Totally. But even still, he's still much more believable. Yeah. He was no Jar Jar. It was no... Yeah. Was, that's Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg. That's yeah. the actor that I was trying to... Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the, the... Watching the movie with you was super fun, because I think we kind of were tickled by the same yeah. things. But like when, when BB-8 rolls away from the massacre in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and that weird alien pops up from out of the sand with the glowing red eyes, yes. you and I both kind of squealed yeah. a little bit. I, that's just so, I mean, so perfect. Yeah. Oh, and it was so... Someone was saying something about like, I have no idea why that creature was there. I'm like, exactly. That's yeah. exactly why it's great. You yeah. don't know why he's there. And they, they did it sparingly. I mean, they didn't overdo it. Like the, the prequels really overdid it where those things are yeah. everywhere and you stop caring. So cluttered. Yeah. But also that guy was an, it was one of many, I said it was like nice. I felt like well done little nods to totally. the original. Like yes. that's completely uh, the character. The, I think he's the first alien you see in the cantina scene on Tatooine that pops his head up like oh, this yeah. and kind of turns around and goes totally. like this. And you I watch the cantina scene again. It's almost an identical. Cre- I don't know if it's the same species or not. I'll have to watch it again. Huh. Watch the original again. But that made me. It's that little. 
He's the first alien you see pop his head up in the cantina scene. That's so cool. I did not pick that up. Very subtle little reference. Yeah, it always reminded me of that one creature that's like outside of Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah. That like sticks his tongue out and catches something. Yeah. Which is totally a Jar Jar thing to do now that I think of it. Uh, but yeah, it's he showed so much restraint. Again, you you pay more attention, right. and each one of these little aliens means so much more because there's not a bajillion of them everywhere. It's not so overwhelming, right? Uh, it's realistic. I mean, it's a desert planet. They're not, you know, it's not everything is not cluttered. Yeah, and I something else they did a wonderful job of was setting up relationships in seconds. Mm-hmm. The the best one, in my opinion, being like Poe and Finn. Yeah. Where it's like, you need a pilot. I need yeah. a pilot. Yeah. And, and then they're best friends. Yeah. And then they go on an adventure together. Yeah. And that's like something so magical about that. that Because mo- I think we've all kind of experienced this where we meet someone and we just feel a connection. Yeah. Like that's someone that we're going to like... I'm going to spend time with or I'm going to like have something Mm -hmm. more meaningful with. Yeah. Uh, But on a galactic scale on that event, we're going on an adventure together. It's just so much heightened. Yeah. And it's something that I just love about life and I love to see in movies and Star Wars does it better than anything. I mean, just like a random meeting between uh, like Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi in the desert just starts off this incredibly epic journey. And it's stuff like that that I just really, really, really love. Um, when I loved, I loved Ray and Finn yeah. uh, meeting too. And I, I really liked their dynamic. I love her hard. I love that he keeps trying to like hold her hand and like, like come with me. She's like, let go of my yeah. hand. Like, why do you keep doing that? Like, what is this? And again, sort of setting it up as like a modern, a very timely totally. modern for our generation. And there is this whole, all the feminists and the, you know, that females can be empowering, but it was done. I felt like not an knock you over the head yeah. kind of way, but very humorously, but, but very funny. Just kind of like, yeah. uh, no, it's not that type of story. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you know, and then the fact that she has to like extend her hand and pull him up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like he gets knocked out for a second and he wakes up and, and the first thing he says is, are you okay? And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like- get up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they're, the escape. So we saw. We just watched it in 3D and IMAX, which neither of us had done yet. Yeah, and it which was astonishingly awesome. cool. Yeah, uh, and then the escape from Jakku was the only scene in the movie that was full IMAX, where it was like floor to ceiling screen, where the the aspect ratio of the movie actually changed and yeah. got bigger. Uh, and it was so amazing. The escape from Jakku is one of the best parts of the movie, and I mean, yeah. one of the coolest action sequences that I can remember ever seeing where yeah. like you're, you're running away on the ground and then you try to grab a ship, but it explodes yeah. and then you get into the fucking millennium Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> ah, oh was, man. I loved, I loved that. I loved the introduction of the millennium Falcon mm. too. And just the jabs. I've never like, like a ship gets so much shit. Yeah. Talk about it. And Oh no, take she's, the garbage can. Oh, she's got it where it counts. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Yeah, I love that entry and, it had, and having the um, little tarp over it, even, and you can almost see the dust mm-hmm. flying off of mm-hmm. it and everything. And, and it looks filthy inside. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it's like m- even more of a piece of shit than it ever was. Yeah. But still the best ship in the yeah. galaxy. Uh, so great. Yeah, and like their teamwork and their 
like both of them being so unsure of themselves. Yeah, I love their kind of drill. You can do this. You can do this. Yeah, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Which reminds me of like Finn and Poe escaping from the the Star Destroyer and him being like, all right, stay calm. Yeah, I know. I'm calm. I'm talking to myself. That that type of humor is so on point. Yeah, it was. I don't know how you write that kind of shit. It's so great. Really well done. It's like effortless and perfect. Yes. Yeah. It has to be. It can't feel too forced or too like trying too hard. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And then I mean oh, something else I thought so then we get to Han Solo. Something else I thought about with Han Solo is that like well, I do think that like Han and Leia knew who Ray was. And I am actually wondering if maybe I, I this is a little out there, but what if Han left the Millennium Falcon on Jakku for her to escape with? Like, like, because he's right there. I mean, he comes in seconds and I know he kind of explains that, but what if he knew the ship was there and was waiting for it to leave? Huh? Uh, Because I don't know. That's probably stretching it a little far. That's, I I was trying to explain away the fact that he could show up immediately. And the only thing I could think of is that he had been waiting for her to leave the planet on the ship that he'd left there for her. Or maybe it wasn't even, Yeah. Maybe not even necessarily waiting, or he didn't know exactly, but he had kind of stayed in the system, almost watching over her the same way that yeah. Obi-Wan watched over Luke. Totally. Like, he wasn't, yeah, it was a little bit of a convenient, he didn't know what she was doing right then, but he was in the area, and he had his eye on that ship, and yeah. on her, too, yeah. and maybe was aware of, was keeping an eye on her. Again, yeah. Kind of watching over, and that was... um Maybe that was also part of why he left. You know, he went. Yeah, he went back to smuggling, but it was also to kind of be that guide for her again from Just a distance. That, yeah, the eye eyes over the shoulder to make sure she's still doing okay. Yeah, whether she's his niece or, or daughter. Something. Some so, people yeah. still think that she's uh, Han and. Leia's daughter. I was convinced of that my first viewing, and that's actually why I was thinking that he had left the Falcon there for her, because Han Solo's not leaving the Falcon for anyone unless it's his daughter. Like that, yeah. that's my thought the first viewing, and now I'm kind of like veering away from that. And I thought that from the beginning, from when I saw the poster. I mean, you look at the poster they released. Her and Kylo Ren, their staff and the lightsaber. Right. Uh, are completely matched up. So right. I don't know. Just visually, I remember looking at the poster, being like, okay, there's going to be some kind of family connection yeah. between them and but it, it may be niece and nephew i mean it, i don't it know could be. it could, it still could also be just be sister. light the light and dark connection of them yeah. the force awakens is the two of them becoming the yeah. balance of the, like the force being balanced means that you have light and dark yeah i think that that's like something these characters do not realize is that yeah. it's got to be both and every time you veer too far in one direction it gets destroyed like you have to have both and that's if if Anakin fulfilling the prophecy of the dark side or the, fulfilling the prophecy of balancing the force taught us anything. It's that the light side can't be too powerful because yeah. the light side was too powerful in, yeah. the, in the old Republic. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Did you what do you think of that theory about uh, which is a little far fetched, but I thought it was really interesting about Kylo Ren actually on this mission to turn to the dark side in order oh, to destroy yeah. to Snoke destroy snoke and the whole buy it. theory about him killing like han knew this and you know yeah. there was a, just a different undertone i don't that, buy it for a second no. yeah that that kylo ren is a double agent mm-hmm. i don't buy it i do not think so i think that that would be a huge mistake i think it would completely um pull all the guts out of what they pulled off in this movie which was a monumental achievement of mm. killing han solo and having it work yeah i would i would be very upset if that was true mm. um yeah so that so snoke is introduced snoke is is a turning point in the movie for me where 
it's the first thing that happens where I'm not super on board with Uh it and repeat viewings have not helped. Yeah. What is it that you don't, what is it that you don't like about him? He's so, he's just like your typical arch villain. Mm. It's boring. I mean, he's, he's like a carbon copy of the emperor, just less interesting. Yeah. And I have no interest in Snoke. I, I don't like, unless, unless he's like a character that we know who is projecting himself through this holographic image to kind of control like pull the puppet strings in an interesting mm-hmm. way that'll be interesting to me but just like as he is i don't i don't like the cg i don't really like any of the fully cg characters in this hmm. movie i like maz kanata is is okay see i liked maz kanata really yeah i was surprised at how much i really loved her i thought she was really well done interesting yeah, I thought Lupita Nuang's voice added so much to her. I loved her, even her sense of humor. One of my favorite lines is, where is my boyfriend? Oh, I do love that. <laughs> I like that Wookiee. I like, love It was that. just such a, I felt like I knew this type of person. Like I'd run into this type of person, well, not per, you know, but right. this personality. I don't know. I thought she was super well done. But Snoke, I was sort of, I felt on the fence, but I didn't hate him. Yeah. I didn't have a strong feelings as you did he's just like Gollum I mean yeah like there's moments where his voice sounds almost Gollum-ish because he's played by the same person and I I'm frustrated by it there's a theory that Snoke is actually Anakin Skywalker and oh really oh I hadn't heard that one the evidence for it is actually compelling I don't believe it, but the evidence is compelling. If you look at the scars on Snoke's face, they match with the scars on Anakin's face at the end of Return of the Jedi when he's unmasked. So I read that and I looked at a picture of the two of them like, wow, that does match up. That's weird. But I don't buy it. There's also a theory that Snoke is the Emperor, that the Emperor survived being thrown into the pit. Don't buy that either. I hope that that's not... Yeah. I do. I love General Hux, though. I mean, when when you first meet Snoke and you have you know, Kylo Ren and Hux, and you get a sense of their relationship. Uh, Very similar to Darth Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin, I thought, though, because I always found that surprising that in A New Hope, it was like, I was like, wait a second, why is this Grand Moff Tarkin telling Vader what to do? Like, Vader almost seems, you know, he respects him, and (laughs) and I thought it was a similar interesting kind of dynamic between Kylo Ren. Like, Kylo Ren is not, you know, completely... Autonomous. Yeah, Yeah. Hux is carrying his own, and I thought that was... Mirror again, how they, there's so many. Well, th- so here's a question. So, another thing that bothered me again, more more times the first viewing was, and a lot of people say this like so many similarities, like plot similarities right. to, to A, a New, New Hope. Hope, like almost A New Hope 2.0. Yeah, is what I was calling it the first time I saw it. I um, love that. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's in a lot of people, and and now, again, now I've now I like it. Now I appreciate it. I see it more of like an homage and yeah. kind of, you know, a nice like, hey, look, like we're still taking this classic story. It was just kind of a reboot. Of yeah. It. And there was enough differences, but I needed it. I deeply needed it. I needed it so bad. I needed to see a Star Wars movie that felt right mm-hmm. and hitting all the plot points. Um. So, OK. Not not only did I did, did that comfort me as a human, but um, and this is something I've, I've tried to talk about in a couple of podcasts, but I, I don't I feel like I haven't quite expressed it accurately. I feel like this was uh, not like a physical remake. Like it's not it's not necessarily the plot points were all the same. It's that the emotions of the movie were the same yeah. exact arc where the emotional arc of the movie is exactly the same. Yeah, but there's a lot of similar plot points to be sure. But the emotions are 
are even more similar. And that to me is a triumph in cinema. I mean, the fact that, that I knew first viewing that Han Solo was about to die because the emotional arc of the movie was at the point where Obi-Wan was going to die. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, similar setting, having it on that ramp like that. Yeah. And And like the emotional journey of watching a new hope is one of my favorite things of all time. So to have that done again in the same universe is a fucking gift that I am. Well, I'm very happy to receive. Well, yeah, it was one of those things that I, I was like, found myself complaining about and then sort of it's like, God, no wonder I would bless JJ Abrams heart for taking this on because (laughs) here I am. Well, the prequels are too different and I just missed the start. And then I basically got what I asked for. And then I complained about that and was like, well, it's too similar. And it's this and I didn't like this and that. And it was like, literally, how do you make anybody happy? Yeah. Um, but I, I get, yeah. How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, now I don't mind it anymore now and i do think it's different enough i i I enjoy it i like the references to the old i I like the bits of nostalgia that he pulled in um but in a different more modern you know in a new way um the one thing that still i'm still kind of this whole star killer base you know and they kind of even poke fun at that a little bit like (laughs) another death Death star Star. this is star killer base (laughs) but like them all sitting in that identical room with the hologram yeah being like well let's analyze you know blah blah blah. and you know there's a thermal exhaust port or there's this thing if you hit it hard like it was literally the same scene they've done three times before and that which still is too it was i was yeah i don't have a problem with that at all i mean if you are planning a military strategy and those are the tools that you have that's what you're gonna use well true well then i guess it goes back again to why the hell do they keep making these things like (laughs) who is giving the green light in the empire that just how is someone not fired for this and who keeps coming in why does no one step and be like you guys uh do you think that maybe we should try a different route they keep finding these (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like right after the movie got out, you and I were talking about this. Like someone just really wants to destroy the galaxy with an orb. Yeah. Like, they want to use a, a basketball shaped thing yeah. to kill people. And they don't care how many times it doesn't work. They're yeah, going to do it eventually. Just, that for me, I still can't quite. I still wish that maybe they'd just done something a little different with that. That was it's still yeah. seems feels just kind of this is a dumb reason to not care about that but the only reason i don't care about that is because when the first poster came out that beautiful poster and you had something on it that looked like the death star i, I was like yeah See, and I, <laughs> I saw and i actually remembered say i saw this when i was analyzing the poster i said the one thing i am worried is that they're gonna make it too similar to start because i saw the death star and then yeah. i saw it looked like there's gonna be some relation between kylo and Ray, I knew that, you know, the death, I saw Maz Kanata's little character. I'm like, oh, that's going to be a Yoda type. Although she wasn't really. She was yeah. different than. She kind of was, though. She totally well, yeah, kind of was. That's true, actually. A little bit. She definitely feels the force. Yeah. I mean, when, when Han Solo walks in the room and she feels his presence before she turns around, she yeah. feels the force. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, she says, she says, I don't, or what does she say? She says, I don't feel it, but I understand it. Or I don't yeah, yeah, use yeah. the force, but I understand it. Like, yeah, I know totally. the force. I think in that a she's, way. she's not a Jedi, but she has. Maybe like some force potential that she uses to her benefit, but but cannot wield the force. Yeah, or she's a historian, or she studied it, or just through her experience, she yeah knows about it. Yeah, 
I liked her character so much. I want, She's I, okay. I want I, to see more of her. I don't know. What I have it, a chip I just, on my shoulder about CG characters, I think. Uh, yeah. Except for Gollum, who I love. Go- well, Gollum is the best CG character and of all time. The, the guys in uh, District 9, I always forget his name. but um, Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I haven't seen that Fuck, in that so movie's long. so good. Yeah. What did you think of the, the Wrath Tars? There's so many things like yeah. chronologically I want to ask you about I, this yeah, movie. Right. But the like the Rathtar scene. Uh, I Oops. See, I I'm doing it too. Yeah. Punching punch the microphone. <laughs> I didn't I didn't love that. I don't know why that started that looked very JJ Abrams. That remind me reminded me of the um I don't know why the Star Trek. Yeah. That, the big monsters and the ice planet and Star, Star Trek, Trek yeah. reboot to me. Um, but to be fair, the Star Trek reboot felt to a lot of us like a Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, the Rathtars, like I, I don't mind it. I don't like the CG tentacles. Didn't look super real to me. Yeah, I didn't buy the Rathtar. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't care for that scene. But I love the humor of it. I loved uh, Han Solo trying to talk his way out of it. Yeah, I loved that. It was oh nice, my god, I love that so much. It all. The whole like, scenario have with I ever, the other... Have I ever not delivered yeah. for you twice? And he's like counting on his fingers like, what was the second yeah. time? It's so... Like, the, he just fucking nailed his performance. I mean, yeah. like Han Solo lives, well, for a little short time yeah. longer. <laughs> yeah. But he was back. Yeah. And he... I think, yeah, that scene with them and with the other... With the other smugglers like or whatever Con- they were. Kanja Club yeah, and Kanja Cl- uh, yeah. the, the Peruvian Death Gang yeah. or something. <laughs> and those guys, they looked like like a band. Like they had those red yeah. outfits with like the red dots in the center. And they looked like Devo almost. Yeah, right. That, we should go as that for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, those costumes were super cool. Yeah, but I thought that whole scene provided a good platform for Han Solo being Han Solo. And yeah. letting him be that character that we all loved and we wanted to see so much and his little snarkiness and yeah. giving a little bit of his background and what he's been up to totally um, the past couple of years. And uh, it gave Han a, a moment to shoot first because yeah, when, right. when he grabs that guy and throws him into the Rathtar's mouth, like he runs right. past someone, turns around, picks him up and throws him to his death. <laughs> that is such a Han shot first moment. And it's like it puts so to rest true. the question of whether or not Han shot first yes because he just like just to give himself an extra second to get away throws a man to his death yeah god i didn't i did not i mean i remember that part but i didn't quite connect that (laughs) unless they do some re-release and then you know in the re-release the tentacles get the guy and han never han tries to save him instead Uh, yeah so i i don't love the cg of the wrath but i enjoy the scene uh i i don't like i Finn being picked up by it and carried away and not being eaten immediately. Nah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. That was another, that seemed a little, and she's just looking on the screens and she like. It's okay. It wasn't bad. It was just okay. But I do love the fact that she caused the problem by switching the wrong uh, switches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Wrong fuses. Yeah. Uh, And it gives Han a moment to say, I have a bad feeling about this. There's so, there's so much to love about it that my, my minor quibbles with that scene are, are, vastly outnumbered by the things I yeah. liked about it. I can forgive it. Again, I didn't like, didn't love it the first time, but... And then it, that Scottish guy's like, tell the First Order that the <laughs> the droids is with Han Solo on the Millennium, the Millennium Falcon. Falcon. I love it. It's I so know. like, uh, it's so... Um, 
Like, if that were a TV show, that would have been the end of episode one. Yeah, 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 right? <laughs> yeah, if that was like a, com- or was a like commercial a, break or something. Yeah. It, it just felt so, like, serial like storytelling Battlestar Galacta, Galactic or Firefly or something. Yeah, or about Buck Rogers, you know, yeah. where this all came from. Totally. Yeah. I, I really dug it. And I think right after that is where you go to Snoke for the first time. And, I mean, really up until that moment, my first viewing, I had had no doubts or hesitations. I was like, this is it. We got it. This is it. We're doing it. It's real. Yeah. And then we get to Snoke, and that's first. I'm like, okay, well, not wild about that. And I do feel like from this point on, there are things uh, that are shaky, whereas it's super solid up until that point. The only thing that's not – the only thing up until that point that I was not as wild about was that there's, like, some plot conveniences where – like a TIE fighter shot out of the sky, it crash lands on Jakku, and it's within walking distance of the town yeah. where Ray lives. Oh, yeah. I'll or forgive that, but whatever. Or while they're in Starkiller Base, this thing that is the size of like 12 planets, and they turn around and, oh, she's right there. Ray's climbing mm. the walls right there. Of yeah. All the ga- uh, yeah, there but were a lot know, of little moments like that. What what makes it work is the humor of it, where they yeah. the characters recognize that it's silly that that yeah. happened. You know, it's like what do you what do you do with, your, do you do with your head? Why yeah, you yeah. head? <laughs> that's a credit to the actors and the writing too. For that sure, they kind of they're acknowledging like, yeah. all right, just come on, guy, let this slide. But yeah, my the first the first podcast I recorded about Force Awakens, I was actually a little bit angry about those things where I was kind of talking about how I don't want to live in a time where stories are told that way, where I want there to be a little bit more accountability with getting from point yeah. A to point B. And I will I will stand by that statement where I do think that if anything, if anything is like hindering this movie, it's those moments where yeah. those moments there's could a, have been tighter. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think we all forgive films a little bit for... A, a little bit of that. Yeah, some yeah. things are needed to kind of move the story along faster, and that's fine. But if you're noticing it so much, then it's, it's, problematic. it's a little overdone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing like that that bothered me a little bit is the, the you know, the earthquake, the giant chasm that, yes! that yes! goes between uh, <laughs> I hate the fucking like chasm Kylo the and. But, yes! but see, no, but here was. So this is one of those. Sorry, one of those things though uh, of just hearing a different perspective. So I saw it the third time I saw it with my dad, which uh-huh. is if I told you, like my dad and I, this is like Star Wars is like wow. our move. This is like our bond. This is he's the first one I ever saw Star Wars with. Like we go to every single Star Wars and Lord of the Rings movie together, and it was wonderful watching it with him because my dad has such a he had such a different perspective. Like he wasn't watching it. As the again the cynical kind of picking it apart like that so that whole scene he was like no he's like Jenny he's like that was like a literary like he saw it as like a metaphor between uh, the, and the a chasm literally yes. dividing the good versus the evil and their connection in this he saw uh, it in a completely different way that I did not that I had wow. not even thought about he was looking at it like literature cinematically and in terms of an overall story and saying he wow. saw that chasm saying something about those two characters. And about their what their connection's gonna be and that and yeah, yeah. and I had I I had I was literally kind of silenced. I was like, well said. Wow, I get it. I'm literally right. I feel like chills right now because I have been <laughs> railing against that. It's something that I really hate. Mm-hmm. But man, that's cool. Right? That's a cool to take on it. That that's cool. And he was like, oh, that didn't bother me at all. Like I saw that as such a you know he saw such meaning and purpose in that, in that saying so much more and being used as a device, a yeah. filmmaking device. And when I saw it that way, again, I was like, okay, like to kind of step back a little bit and not 
pick it apart. And yeah. yeah, it was super convenient. But And it's a beautiful shot. When you look at yeah. it that way, I mean, Ray standing there with her lightsaber lit and the blue light coming off of it and like Kylo Ren on yeah. his back across the chasm and like the rocks falling down. On the ends. It's a beautiful shot. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I want to love it. And maybe now I can. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. No, I really, I really saw it in a different light after cool. hearing his take on that. Um, yeah. I think seeing it with my dad... There were a lot of little moments like that that where he just really seeing it through his eyes. uh, I mean, he loved it. My dad loved it the first time from the very beginning. He's like, and your dad's like a lifelong Star Wars fan. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he saw it originally in the theaters. I mean, he's the he trained me in the Force. You know, he's Uh, (laughs) yeah, and he he loved it. Loved the characters. Loved he had, you know, just so many insightful thoughts again on the character development on their connections with each other and the arc and all of it that wow yeah i I really really loved seeing it with him and getting that different perspective on it yeah i saw it with my parents when they were in town i actually recorded a podcast with them about (laughs) it and something that came out that shocked me is they had no idea that any of the original cast members were going to be in this movie (laughs) so when han Han solo showed up on screen my parents both like made audible noises oh my god Um, like my mom i know it's so i'm so jealous like my mom reached over and pinched me and like my parents were like so excited when he walked on screen and i'd seen that moment in the trailer and that that moment in the trailer gave me fucking chills and i loved it and i'm still glad that i saw it that way oh yeah but if Jumped I could up live and down, Chewie, we're home. I know, Ooh. man. It's so great. If I could live in a universe where I could not know that they were going to be in that movie, I would choose that because <laughs> what an amazing oh, yeah. moment. And to sit there next to someone having that experience, I almost felt it myself. Where I was like, yeah. oh, Solo's here. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'm trying to imagine. I don't know what I, I might have like seriously caused damage to myself or others around me though if I didn't know <laughs> and that had happened I I probably would have had a I might have stood up in the theater and just like walked around for a minute or like kind of had to, like, <laughs> like process. A, I would have been either jumping up and down or I yeah oh I would have my had god yeah even just seeing that in the trailer yeah I remember watching it at rendezvous and I was like sitting there just jumping up and down oh, on you the told bar me about that. yeah it's so cool <laughs> I watched it at work uh and like I work at like an, in an office and uh like anyone could walk in at any moment and i have to help them out because i work in an apartment building and i just like put the trailer on like and just put the put the volume I'm, I'm, i have to watch this right now i have to see this right now i don't <laughs> yeah. care i don't yeah. care what's happening so i just like watched it and i literally had to hold tears in my eyes yeah just was, i mean oh. moments into the trailer when you see the like Ray speeding across the desert of Jakku yeah. and you see the the Star Destroyer crashed on the planet behind her. Yeah. Ugh. And that that moment is better in the trailer than it is in the movie. And it's yeah. because of the music. Yeah. The like, I love It is one of the best trailers I've Ugh. ever seen in my Beautiful life. Beautiful trailer. I still just watch the trailer sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll just put it on because I love it so much. Oh it gives my God. me so many chills. Yeah. Still. Just like that the piano like one note on the piano. Ding ding when her face appears in yeah. the mask. And then ah. as she, as she's like speeding across and like you see the X-Wing on the ground and then you realize that what's in the background is a Star Destroyer. I was like, ah, 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 ah. Uh, <laughs> one of the best trailers ever crafted. Yeah, I was like gripping the couch very hard when I was talking about that just now. Yeah. But then in the movie, that moment was disappointing to me because the music was so different from it was mm-hmm. in the trailer and yeah. the music didn't sell that moment as well. Yeah. And I love that music. I love Ray's theme. It's yeah. probably my favorite new theme. Like, dun, da, da, dun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds like very like Irish folk songy, yeah. which is cool because they end up in Ireland at the yeah. end of the movie <laughs> right. um yeah 
All right, where are so okay? We've Wait, ta- we we're talking about Snoke. Snoke. Oh too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Snoke. Because I want to get back to that. Because also to give you some hope, I mean, you know, also, I mean, another thing that Star Wars historically does in terms of the, these patterns, the villain, the first villain you see is not always the main one. You know, right. there's a surprise. You know, at first you think it's Darth Vader. And then it's, it's I mean, you could argue that you think it's Kylo Ren and then it's Snoke. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's something or there's more to him or he's or like, I think like you were saying, maybe that's not even or he's a stand. What if he's like this little tiny little mouse (laughs) creature and that's why he projects himself as so big. It's like this complex that he has. And then we're going to see him and he's just like a little mouse in the Uh, mouse in a box or something. Oh, he's a mouse in a box. Snoke in a box. He's just this like teeny tiny little like smaller than Yoda. I love that. I'm totally going to use Snoke in a box as, as like a uh, podcast episode title. I love it. Um, yeah. I, well, the first time I saw it, maybe this is part of why I don't like Snoke is because when he showed up and I didn't know he was a hologram at first, obviously. Yeah, and I'm just like, I didn't either. He's just a fucking giant. Yeah. And I'm like, I just didn't like it. I, I just, I didn't care for it. And I liked it better once I realized he was a hologram, but... I liked it much better once I realized he was a hologram. I'm embarrassed that I didn't realize he was a hologram until the second time I saw it. Really? I don't know if I, I just, I must have just missed that. Again, maybe <laughs> I was so worried, again, picking apart stupid little things that somehow I just didn't remember that. Because I know at some point in the movie it becomes obvious. I mean, clearly yeah. he disappears and you realize. It, but when first, I saw it the, the second time, the first scene he's like, in, oh. when he disappears, it becomes obvious. Yeah. But, but it's I, an easy I moment just, to miss. It's very quick. Yeah. I could have just been turning. I don't know. I I think I left for the restroom at one point. I don't know. Maybe uh, I like missed it. I don't know. Yeah. But I was like, oh, that's a hologram. So you thought he was a giant for the I whole thought first he was viewing. a giant. Yes. I was like, was he's giant, the BFG, like, except not so friendly. Seriously. I wanted to know what his home planet looks like. And all these just giants it's like Big World around. on Mario. Yeah. yeah. There's a beanstalk. That's how you get up there. <laughs> Snoke in the beanstalk. <laughs> yeah. That's also a very Snoke good a podcast Snoke title. It's my Snoke in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um but i'm yeah i'm wondering i think there's gonna be more i i I think there's gonna be more to him than i hope i hope or or like we were talking i think i really like the idea of a dark if there's really a dark luke and luke is the one pulling the strings whether or not luke is snow or snoke some kind of puppet or something or whatever luke or a snoke reports to luke i don't know i'd love it for it to be like a wizard of oz moment where you see that luke is the man behind the curtain and he's creating snoke Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fucking cool that'd be so cool and i if you as a kid, the idea of Luke going bad would have been devastating to me. But yeah. as an adult, I find it complex and thrilling. <laughs> well, also, yeah, because I, yeah, it would have been a lot harder to swallow in the originals because he was the hero. But now we have these new heroes. You know, we've got yeah. these. You know, we've got Ray. We've got, got, Ray. got Finn. Totally. So having Luke go down that path is not doesn't seem as damaging. And it's to me. The the problem with the hero's journey is that the hero always survives unscathed at the end. Mm. Like with uh, Frodo, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> so when I when I was a kid, mm-hmm. or when I was 17, I was dating someone and her little brother told me that Frodo died at the end of Lord of the Rings. And oh. I hadn't read the books at that point. And I went through my entire life believing, from that point on, believing that Frodo was going to die. And oh. then I saw uh, Return of the King and Frodo survived. 
And I was like, well, fuck. Like, Frodo's <laughs> well, supposed of. to die. He goes to the Right, he goes to the Grey Havens. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> like, that's, that's supposed to be, like, Frodo's death. But it, Frodo should have died for the cause. Mm. Can you imagine how powerful that would have been? And I had been, like, emotionally prepared for it. So I, yeah. I was, like, ready for Frodo to die. Uh, and, like, for Frodo to have this moment at the end where he kind of turns bad right at the end. Especially well, in the movie version. Yeah. And then, like, he... For him to realize what's wrong, what he's doing, uh, and that he can't allow this ring to survive, he should grab Gollum and jump over into with the lake him. of fire with him yeah. and die. And that's the end of Frodo. That's the end of evil. And the balance in that is beautiful. And so, I mean... And you still have a, that kind of happy ending with Samwise. Totally. Too. They could have... Yeah, Sam's you're the hero right. comes I, home. Now that I mean, you're right. They could have sacrificed... Frodo and because yeah. you still had Samwise that in my opinion was almost the real the hero real hero of Lord of the Rings I can't carry the ring for you Mr. Frodo but I can carry you yes Ugh. oh my gosh I still I almost started crying just thinking I, about that <laughs> whenever I am when I've, been, I've done like half marathons when I wow. start feeling like I can't when I'm about to oh keel over I swear to God I think of that scene when they're climbing Mount Doom and yeah. can barely and malnourished and Ugh. when he just oh, I can't carry the ring but I can carry and he throws him over his shoulder and starts running up the hill I'm like I can do this yeah, if Frodo totally. can carry if Sam can carry Frodo getting off topic a little bit but I love Lord of the Rings too I so love much. Lord of the Rings so much that scene is the epitome of why Lord of the Rings was great. I, mm-hmm. oh, I'm seriously getting like really emotional just thinking. Oh, about. every time something bad happens in life or in the world, I quote that um, mm. the scene at the end of uh, Two Towers uh, where Frodo, you know, what are we fighting for? Oh. They're still good in still this world. Still good in this world, <laughs> Mr. Frodo. What for, you know? It's beautiful. The darkness comes. Oh, it's so funny because oh. those movies are so brilliant and then the, the Hobbit movies are not. Uh, they're not no. as bad as the Star Wars prequels, but they're not good. No, yeah. They didn't disappoint me as much as... Right. Nothing will disappoint just the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> ever. Pretty hard. Ever again. Maybe. I don't yeah. know if I can ever be as disappointed as I felt with those. But right. the Hobbit movies were close. It was. Yeah. But the thing that the Hobbit movies got right, though, is still, they still, I still loved the casting, the characters. Yeah. Uh, the, the music, the world. Yeah. There was still a lot that I loved in it, but it just, it was more just kind of like, mm, eh. They they seemed like cash grabs, but they're still entertaining and fun and enjoyable. Uh, and I don't I don't hate them by any means. I re- I I take that back. I hated Desolation of Smaug. I thought yeah. that movie was garbage. But I liked the first and the third. The first one I liked the best. The third one I liked okay. The second one I just like. Yeah, this is a waste of time. See, they're all running together in my. I only saw each of them once. I think. Yeah, me too. But I do remember there's two scenes in that whole trilogy that I picked out that. I just, man, if the rest of the movies had been as good as these two scenes, and one was Riddles in the Dark with Gollum. Yeah, when that was Hob- great. When he was yeah. so, I could not have imagined that scene more perfectly Yeah, very ever. well done. And then the other one was when we actually meet Smaug. Oh, really? Just, I thought, I can't, I still, I would watch the movie just to see that scene in Benedict Cumber, Cumberbunch. 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 Cumberbatch. I can never say his name. Cumberbund. Cumberbatch. Boy band? I don't know. What's... He, uh... God, Benedict I boy band. <laughs> <laughs> I just... God, it was so well done. I... 
I, I, I will admit that I was in a very bad mood when I watched The Desolation of Smaug, but I didn't like anything about it. I didn't like that scene. I was just like, this is CG really? bullshit. Oh, uh, I thought it was so well done. I thought his, I thought that dragon was so perfect. Huh. The, gold, the way the gold all, you know, fell down around him. Yeah. His voice, his mannerisms, his everything about it i loved that dragon i read the book once when i was really young and the 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 golem scene was awesome like it, i i barely remembered the book but the golem scene totally nailed it as far as what i remembered and what i wanted but uh nothing else from the movie i mean it, like the lot the two things that really stuck out well three things that really stuck out to me in the book was the golem scene the 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 barrels scene and then did you like the oh in the book in the book yeah, yeah. and then like meeting smog yeah uh, the barrel scene in the movie was garbage bullshit bullshit it was such oh bullshit. and the, the spiders in the forest really stuck out to me in the book too yeah 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 oh the spiders and yeah <laughs> that was one of my favorite scenes yeah. which I didn't I don't remember having a big problem with that in the movie but the barrel scene was the so stupidest stupid. most ridiculous yeah. <laughs> unfathomable. CG bullshit. Yeah, it was totally Star prequel Star Wars. The most ridiculous CGI stunts that are just you have to keep one foot in reality. We we'll all say okay, it's fantasy, it's sci-fi, whatever. We can we can all forgive a little bit of you know. I can okay. Legolas is an elf. He's a little lighter. He's a little bit like more agile. He can stand on top of snow. That's as far as it goes. (laughs) Or or you know, Obi Wan is a Jedi. Anakin's a Jedi guy. That's why they can lightsaber battle while floating on a tiny block of lava (laughs) and with little robots throwing things at them and stuff. Okay, maybe that's the only way I can justify it. My head is okay. They they're using the Force. They're not normal people. Even that I still think is too. You can't go too far with it, or else you lose. You lose. I'm, I don't believe yeah, it anymore. Totally. Were yeah, there any moments in The Force Awakens that did that to you, that pulled you out? Huh. That's a good question. No. Now that I'm thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, me neither. Fuck yeah. I cannot think of a Isn't single... That great? Yeah, wow. That's That just made me love it even more. Yeah. There's not a single thing that I can... Th- a single battle scene or, or like, the lightsabers or shooting that I was just like... Oh, come on. You know, like, yeah. again, like, that's, okay, cool, but ridiculous. First viewing, I felt slightly like that with with Ray's lightsaber fight at the end. Mm-hmm. But second through fourth viewing, I did not feel like that at all. Yeah. At all. The second time, because just watch and paying really close attention, she's kind of, like, jabbing it at him. And she's yeah. kind of, like, you. it looks like she's really using it the way, I mean, most of us could pick up a sword and have some... I have just okay. I'm, I'm defending myself. I'm blocking. Uh, okay, I need to stab someone with it. You know, like you can yeah. kind of figure it out a little bit, and that's what I saw the second and third, and both her and Finn. They don't know what they're doing. Right. They're just kind of doing the best. And again, they're. It's not like they're complete novices. Like he's a combat trained stormtrooper. She is clearly. She's taught herself how to defend her. You know how to defend herself. Right. And um, even when when Finn is battling that shock trooper. He takes a, a bad, I think that's what he's actually called. Is that really? What yeah. He takes like a massive hit to the stomach from <laughs> yeah. that, that other guy's uh, weapon. With That weapon is fucking cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So where were we in the movie? We talked about Rathars. We talked about Snoke. Yeah. Um, so after that, we go to Maz Kanata's Maz palace. Kanata. We talked about that. We got to talk about the, uh, the, 
like Ray's vision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was really cool. Yeah. So yeah, it, I was mentioning to you on the drive back here that the first thing she sees in the vision when she's in that long hallway, that's actually Cloud City. Cloud City. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So cool. And I was saying, like, I, I felt that felt familiar to me, which was, but I couldn't place it. Yeah. And I didn't know where to place it. So that's a really interesting little reference. Yeah. Um, and then you see her as a young girl. You see the age that she was left behind. And what, what do you think she was? Like seven, six? I'd say a little younger, five or six. Five or six. Yeah. And she's left with Unkar Plutt. Yeah. uh, You can see, you see his hand, you hear his voice. voice, Yeah. Yeah. So all these little details that I hadn't picked up the first time, she (laughs) is left with Ankar Plutt or however you say his name. Yeah. I think that's right. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. (laughs) Um, Let's see what else. You hear the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, You hear him say Ray, which is actually. I know. They, they, I, that's amazing to me that they did that. They actually got Alec Alec Guinness. Guinness's voice. Yeah. They They clipped a word. Yeah. And get that. And then that, um. And then they got Ewan McGregor to, to come, come in. in and record that and whisper the these are your first steps. The last thing you yes. hear in her vision, you hear Yoda for a second. Yeah. So she's just tapping into like the force current. Yeah. Where all of these like great force people live. Yeah. You Which know? also I thought that that scene was interesting because just talking about the trailer and kind of what your expectations were. A lot of right. those scenes played a key part in the trailer. Right. So made Luke, you sort yeah. of think that Luke this touching was going yeah, yeah. to be a different movie. Right. Which I, again, that was really well done. Just keeping this film a secret, the, yeah. all the plot, everything, like even the trailer totally. was kind of deceiving. But you um, see the Knights of Ren for a second, yeah. who I'm super curious about. Oh yeah. And then you see what's going to happen later in the movie. You see the snowy uh, planet, you see like Starkiller base, that yeah. um like the the woods where she's gonna have that battle with right with uh yeah that's right you see him with Kylo coming, yeah with the lightsaber yeah with his yeah. janky lightsaber yeah and then she goes through her classic hero journey, hero's journey moment where she, where she yep. refuses the quest she refuses yeah yeah <laughs> which is really cool <laughs> um and then you yes. have that battle the sequence the reluctant hero the reluctant hero I will say that something that bothers me is that when they well, okay, first, first before we get to that, first, uh, Starkiller base is activated. General Hux has his epic speech. Oh, yeah, his I love Hitler. his speech, his Hitler-esque, the Hitler youth. Everybody, uh, Yeah, I love that moment. Yeah. I think that um, uh, Dom Hall Gleason just nailed it. He, yeah. Oh, his performance in that scene is so excellent. I liked him a lot, and then I was like, I hate him, but I like like he's almost a cliche, like over the top, yeah, character, like Nazi. yeah, which but is it, great. But I still, yeah, yeah. I bought it. This machine it. upon which we stand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I like, I love, I love rousing speeches. Yeah, and it, it was, was very it was just rousing. An epic scope. I yeah. thought it was just a really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the size of it. And when they destroy the Hosnian system, and you see the the new center of the Republic, because I, you know, it's not Coruscant; it's it's another yeah, it planet. Like it. it looks like it. A lot of people like thought that that was yeah, that, that was, was Coruscant. Coruscant. Yeah, uh, but it's interesting that the Republic would set up a base on another system because yeah. in the expanded universe they just take over Coruscant yeah and which I always really loved in the books the fact that I remember like reading about how they moved in to like the Imperial Palace because after it's the it's the old Republic and then it becomes the the seat of the Empire yeah and then it becomes the seat of the new Empire yeah Yeah. or I'm sorry the new Republic Republic. yeah yeah Uh, but it's interesting that they set up a new base and then 
every time I watch the movie, when you get to the point where there's those people standing on that balcony watching their yeah. death come, yeah. I'm just like drinking in that moment with my eyes oh. because it's just beautifully can, done. And there's really that... place yourself there. Yeah. And I kind of would see. And then when it goes, it, you see their faces, then it turns and it then shows you what they're seeing. Yeah. I thought it's it was beautiful. Just really well. Oh, I love that moment. But then one of my biggest issues with the movie happens immediately after that when Finn is going to leave, which just seemed kind of tacked on. Like Finn is trying to run and then he comes back and he's like, it's the first order. They've done it. But he doesn't say what they've done. He says something like, uh, it's the Republic. They've done it, I think is what he says. Wait, the Republic? Like referencing that the first order has destroyed the Republic. He he makes some reference to that, which doesn't quite make sense. And it's very rushed. It's like... You just have to infer the knowledge that he knows that the First Order has this weapon. Because you don't know at that point that like he ever worked on Starkiller Base as a janitor. You don't know that yet. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Huh? It's like a big leap. We don't really find that out until... Yeah, and him seeing them use the weapon is what drives him to come back. Wait, is that what drives him? I thought it was... Maybe I'm remembering the timeline wrong. It was that or was it seeing them take Ray? I thought Ray was his motivation. He came back before that because he came back and is given the lightsaber because oh, he saw right, the, right. the weapon used. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So his his motivations didn't quite make sense to me there where uh, and, uh, his motivations later don't quite make sense to me either because he's willing to risk the entire mission just to get Ray back because he has no idea how to take the shields out. But he just says yeah. and i mean the forgivable moment is like well we'll, we'll just use the force oh and i was God. like that's not how it works that, one of my favorite lines too yeah, yeah that, that's, <laughs> that's a great not moment. how it works that's not how the force works yeah so i questioned finn's oh, intelligence in that moment <laughs> and then turning to chewy <laughs> yeah. it was like one after another i was like oh, yeah i love that so scene. good keeping that humor going through the movie is really important yeah yeah and they did a great job of it and totally. there's a lot when you when they get on the star killer base you really feel like you're on the death star in the first movie again where they're just just like like snapping one-liners at each other like well someone's got to save our skins you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that so yeah you you meet snoke and then you go to maz kanadas and then you have like the first order destroying those planets that part of the movie doesn't feel quite right to me like it feels like they cut some stuff out maybe they're trying to edit it down to be as tight as possible and maybe we lost some information that we needed to make it yeah feel perfect um it's this is a small quibble. I still love the movie, and it's, if you're gonna have anything feel less than perfect, do it in the middle. Have the beginning and the end feel really strong, True. and then I'll feel okay when I leave the theater. Yeah, um, but that that's the moment. Uh, repeated viewings have have made me kind of question that more and more. I yeah, think. how'd you feel about that whole section? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember being upset because again, for me, it was a little different because I was just kind of picking apart and upset about the whole thing all throughout the first time. And yeah. then the second time, yeah. So I think I had a, like a slightly different experience. Um, but yeah, no, I, it gets a little, it gets a little muddled and rushed was definitely something that I felt kind of like, Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes it. All right. Yeah. That's a little too easy to, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. And then we meet Leia and which we've talked about, which I really like and and you're, You'll never have that that romance that you wanted. I know. <laughs> but also, I just wanted a little more sassiness from yeah. her. She was so... She was so... I mean, she gives... She's, like, trying a little bit, you know, oh, I don't need any help from you. Oh, when has that ever helped? Like, you yeah. see a little bit of and it. And don't say the Death Star. Yeah, don't say the Death Star, <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty funny. But, yeah. 
But then right after that is when we find R2-D2 in low power mode, which is so silly. Okay. I, yeah. I don't like it. I have to say one thing. Another thing that I, st- I still am just, I find the whole map yeah. thing with Luke and the, the fact that BB-8 and R2-D2 have these two pieces of it, like... Why? Oh man, I think I can help with this. The way that you helped me with the chasm in yeah, the earth. Yeah, okay, go. Yes. Uh, I actually read a little bit about what JJ had to say about that. And, okay. Uh, one thing he said really upset me, which was that, uh, which I, I'm going to repeat myself from an earlier episode, where he talked about how R2-D2 comes back online at the end of the movie because you need a positive moment. You just lost yeah. a character. You need one right. back. And that really bothers me because I feel like it's emotional manipulation <laughs> and it doesn't fit the story. Mm-hmm. But it works for me if Luke turned R2 yes. on with the Force. Which is That'd what be I great. think happens. Yeah. But in that same interview, he also said that in The Empire Strikes Back... No, I'm sorry. Not The uh, So He said in uh, Episode 4... When R2 plugs into the Imperial network to open the trash compactors to stop them from killing all the main characters, he downloads the entire database of the Empire. <laughs> so that's where he... And, and, and then in the movie, uh, Snoke and Hux are talking at one point... Not Snoke, I'm sorry. And, Snoke and Kylo Ren. <laughs> totally talking in circles. Uh, Snoke and Kylo Ren are talking about how they found the rest of the yeah, map right. in so the database have, of the Empire. Yeah, they yeah. have it, and, and R2 has it. Yeah, because R2 got it from the same place that they got it from in the database of the Empire. So that's where the rest of the map oh, okay. existed, and then the piece that shows where Luke went was only in BB-8. Okay. Which, now that I'm saying oh. it out loud, it doesn't still quite make sense. Because why would there... I, I Maybe it's just like a big galactic map... But, the, but everywhere you can see to go. the little like red line. Like there's yeah, a. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because Luke wasn't even like missing at that point. JJ, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. JJ specifically said that that R two had the rest of the galactic map because... from the Empire from the original trilogy. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense. Unless it's like a cloud uh, type thing. I was where... trying to help you, and now yeah. I've just hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> Saying it out loud made it all fall apart. Yeah. Never mind. Because again, I just. There's certain plot devices where I'll give be like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna sit back and let because it's interesting for the story or whatever. Yeah. But that whole map thing, I'm just trying to think, what? And again, maybe they'll explain it more. But why? So Luke decides to go out and then he's like, okay, I'm, here's this map, and I'm gonna break it into pieces. And then I don't know. I just, yeah. I felt like that was a little bit. And then why does um. And what's his name that is holding it? Uh, the character at the very beginning, Lars von Tecker. Yeah, yeah. He knows Leia. How long has he been holding onto this? Why didn't he give it to her sooner? Why, like? Yeah, may, again, there must have and, been and, some and, mission where he got it right before the movie. Yeah, or something. and yeah. exactly. And this is all stuff that I'm not necessarily complaining about because it may be explained. It's not, yeah. you know. Maybe there was a smuggler that found Luke Skywalker yeah. and they sold the map to someone. True. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, who knows? It doesn't, but it doesn't make. Yeah, it doesn't quite make sense. But it's that's still okay. Still, sort of a weird. The whole map thing. Yeah. But what it gives weird. us that I love is it gives us a movie in which chasing down a droid is the main purpose, or chasing down a treasure map is the main purpose. It's a very simple, yeah, uh, approachable idea that is so reminiscent of A New Hope, where these are not the droids we're looking for. Yeah. Where they're just trying to find the droids because they have the plans to the Death Star and they need to get them back. Yeah. And that's a simple thing that we need to find. Of course, they, they convoluted it a little bit in this movie. Um, or they, they didn't convolute it, but they did pick something that doesn't quite make sense. But it, at its heart, it's simple. It's a treasure map to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, as a, 
as a MacGuffin for the movie, I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, and it really drives the movie in a good way and it gets us from point A to point B. True. And th- every time I see the movie, I'm really becoming more and more okay with the idea of these things getting us from point A to point yeah. B. Yeah. Because I like point A and I like point yeah. B, so why am I complaining? <laughs> Uh, but yeah. it, it does it does bother me, but it's okay. It doesn't bother me much. It doesn't bother me as much as Jar Jar fucking Binks. Uh, yeah. So. Well, yeah, and so many of these things that we're bringing up, again, I think I've, I'm learning to, it's not done yet, you know? Yeah, so yeah, much, yeah, yeah. you've got to, again, if you had just seen A New Hope or just seen Empire Strikes Back without knowing the full story, maybe there would have been little things you're like, wait, what? What is that? You know? So I'm trying to reserve until we have the entire Man, something that I didn't I did not realize until recently that J.J. Abrams wasn't directing episode eight. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that until re- yeah. and someone told me I was like, no, that can't be right. No, yeah. what? I think that's a good thing. Well, it remains to be seen. But <clears throat> a lot of these like plot hole issues are things that I notice in a lot of J.J. Abrams movies. Mm-hmm. So part of me feels like J.J.'s really good at setting up a new world and not necessarily not the best at, at paying it, it off. Yeah. yeah. Lost. So, and yeah. Ending. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, he um, sometimes gets so ahead of him, so he doesn't quite know how to... Yeah. So yeah, Ryan Johnson is doing the next one. Yeah. And I haven't really seen... I haven't seen Looper yet, which I know I need to see because yeah. I've heard it's great. I'm, I've heard it's good. Yeah. I'm and then yeah. Uh, Colin Trevorrow is doing the third one, which... And he did uh, Jurassic World, which I really, really liked. Yeah. I liked Jurassic World too. I don't... Sometimes don't know why, but I, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to like it. I was why like, not? this is... I was watching it. I was like, this is, this is dumb, but I'm enjoying it. But I like it. Again, it was yeah. just, it's a weird, it's like, this is so stupid, but I like it. And you're, yeah. I know what you're doing. You are manipulating me with the nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, which this movie yeah, did I that feel too. Like is a total trend in cinema too. It's, yeah. it's I don't really mind pulling on the nostalgia. Yeah. For things like this. I mean, cause Jurassic Park was pretty close up there with Star Wars for me. So, yeah, yeah, I totally bought into the the nostalgic tricks that they were, you know, finding the the night vision goggles in Jurassic Park and finding yeah. the old banner on the floor. All yeah. of it. I was like eating it all up. I was yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Love it. Um, I feel like we've talked through. So we've talked through most of it chronologically, but the rest of it, I think we've actually talked about before, like Han Solo's death. We've covered um, the Starkiller base. Uh like the the destruction of Starkiller Base is kind of a rehash of things we've seen before, but it, but fun and welcome. Yeah. Um, I love the shot when Starkiller Base explodes, and then the Millennium Falcon flies. It's it's such a recreation of the exact shot from A New Hope. Oh yeah. When they blow well, up and the even Star. the line when I think Poe Dameron says, "All right, let's, let's go home." Go. Yeah. yeah. Let's blow this thing. Go home. And he says, "We've our work here is done. Let's go home." And I was yeah. Like, so much yeah. of that, but yeah, I, but I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love the way the explosion looked. I love that after it kind of blew up, it looked just like a sun for a second. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it looked like yeah. a star or sun exploding. Yeah. Really? Well, really, such we, we talked done. about like the meeting of Ray and Leia. Uh, what we haven't talked much about is, well, we did talk about Luke at the end. We talked about all of it. Yeah. Well, what did we talk about quickly? What, uh, what do you think? What's, what would be your, so we can, we can record it. Yeah. Listen to this a year and a half from now. Yeah. Or a year from now. Um, what is your prediction about Ray's about Ray? background? Oh, good question. Background. I've been talking about this a lot, and it changes every time I talk about it. Yeah. So, originally, I was thinking that 
I, I read this theory that Rey was a descendant of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker, where Obi-Wan in his exile in the, dev- in the desert, in the desert, <laughs> he let go of his Jedi ways and he took a lover and he had a daughter. That daughter eventually meets up with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And then those two have a daughter and that's Rey. I was really buying into that at first, mostly because of the theory that the way that Rey fights with her lightsaber is very reminiscent of the way that Alec Guinness fights mm-hmm. in A New Hope. But I read something else that is so true that it's also very reminiscent of the way that Palpatine fights in Revenge of the Sith, where he's very stabby with his lightsaber. Huh. So I was like, well, shit, that totally takes all the wind out of my sails for that theory. The only thing that holds up huh. for that at this point is the fact that uh, Rey is British, Alec Guinness is British. So, yeah. or Obi-Wan Kenobi is British. And uh, I was talking to my dad about this and he was saying that it doesn't matter because your accent is more about where you grow up, not your parents. So if she's like five or six, when she's dumped on Jakku, she would have an accent similar to whoever kind of raised her on Jakku, which might be Unkar Plutt. So she would sound similar to that. Yeah, but she doesn't. She doesn't. And I, I still think that maybe five or six, in, in a universe where everyone is talking in a different accent, I don't necessarily think that that's true. I think that whatever your parents have, whatever you're born with at five or six is going to stick yeah. if you're plopped into an environment where everyone is speaking a different language. Because she understands everyone's language in this movie. Yeah, it's really she cool. she speaks droid, apparently, <laughs> which I, I don't that. think we had met another human up to this point that spoke that droid. droid yeah that's true because that threw me off. i had a problem with that first time around too yeah. i was kind of like oh like i almost had a problem spe- with and that. she speaks wookie i was very close to having a problem with that but then didn't yeah <laughs> uh i mean luke talks to r2 but he's it's through the readout on his screen yeah. in the x-wing yeah he re- yeah. yeah um and the droids understand english yeah apparently but so yeah i mean versa. so many people are talking about how they think that Ray is the daughter of Luke Skywalker. But then this viewing, and I had started to kind of come around to that being probably true. My original thought was that she was the daughter of Han and Leia, and we just don't know it yet. And then I was yeah. thinking, well, I guess it might be Luke, because everyone's saying it. But then this viewing, there was this really interesting moment when she's talking to Maz Kanata, who seems to know a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, who's the girl? Yeah. Uh, she has that moment where she says, the family that you're waiting for is not the family that's going to come. And maybe like what you're actually waiting yeah, for is Luke. Back. Uh, and like she, Ray finishes that that question. She says, "Luke." Like she finishes that from Maz Kanata saying, "Maybe who I'm waiting for is Luke." Hmm. Like explicitly, kind of stating that Luke is not her family, and that Luke is the family that she's going towards. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and of course, Maz doesn't yeah, know everything. Yeah, because she's Maz, but yeah, she does say that the family they're never coming back. Right. So this but you time, you have a chance to meet a new. Yeah. But see, that makes. I don't know. Well, she must have been left on the planet because of her force ability. I don't see any other possibility than her being shipped off because of her force ability. And that was probably brought about because, um, well, the timeline of this doesn't quite work out. But my first thought is that because the Knights of Ren go bad, then they take the Knights of Ren destroyed probably all of Luke's apprentices. Yeah. So then they probably took Rey and dropped her somewhere to keep her safe. Yeah, that's, I mean, well, that for me was an argument to her being Han and Leia's daughter. I thought that maybe she's obviously younger. And I've actually read that Rey is around 30 and she is around 18 or 19. So that around the time that Ray was turning is when she got dropped off and maybe that oh, she uh, is... Oh, sorry. Kylo Ren is around 30? Kylo Ren. Okay. What did you I said Ray. I was I said very Ray. confused. Oh, sorry. Kylo... Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kylo so Kylo Ren, Ren is about 10 Kylo years older. Kylo Ren is about... Yeah. 
and that maybe oh, that, that, then that then it works then the timeline around works around the timeline yeah. well again we don't know when he turned but maybe when he was turning that's why she was dropped off at that she's okay. younger than him great i love and it i love it she got yeah put down there but that works for me so yeah so that solves that if if kylo ren is about 10 years older than ray then the timeline is perfect uh if if she's if she is like well, she's well, then she'd have or... to be like nine or ten when she's left behind. No, I mean, she could, if she was five or six and he's... Oh, and he's 15 when 15 he turns? Six, yeah, okay, again, that's I think it's, plausible. What, you put him in his teens, that's plausible that he would turn. So then it's young. been 15 years. In yeah. that case, it's been 15 years since Han and Leia split. Yeah. Wow. I still... Plausible. Not... It could be. Yeah. We don't know. It could be. Um, anyway, where I'm going with all of this is that... What I want to see happen and what I'm starting to believe is going to happen is that Ray is just a force adept pupil. Mm. She is not related to anyone. And I'm knocking on wood that this is true. I'd really like this to be true. I don't necessarily believe it will be true, but yeah. the whole idea that uh, everyone's related to everyone in this universe really bugs me. And yeah. I, the first time when I heard that like Luke was Darth Vader's father, it bugged me a little bit. I was like, that's you mean that Darth Vader is Luke's father? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is what I mean. It bugged me a little bit because I'm like, that's a little convenient, you know? That like the one kid on this desert planet who is now yeah. rising up to fight this evil empire is the son of the per- person who's leading this whole thing. That It doesn't, it's very convenient. And the, of course they kind of explain that because, you know, Obi-Wan is watching over Luke. Yeah, and, yeah. it wasn't totally convenient. It was, right. I mean, they were, because Princess Leia was trying to get to Tatooine to find Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. The droids did happen to jettison, but they would have landed on the closest planet and that's where yeah. Leia was going anyways. And so it is a little convenient that they happened to find Luke and that Luke knew of Obi-Wan and right. that, that. But but then Luke and Leia end up being brother and sister. Yeah. And they that, do the... Well, that, did you... did you? So I read that, uh, that there was a point where uh, George Lucas was playing with the idea that Boba Fett and Darth Vader were going to be brothers. Really? Yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah. Holy shit. So... This is, yeah. And he decided, I think one of the other writers talked him out of it and was like, that's too much. Yeah. And that's how I feel. So that's how I feel about some people are talking about, oh, and what if Finn is uh, Lando's Lando's son? Too much. The only two black people who've ever been in Star Wars are related. Too much. I will be so annoyed if that turns out to be. I'm almost almost offended by that for some reason. Yeah. like black people have been criminally underrepresented in Star Wars. I mean, of course, we've got you know Mace Windu. There's a, there's a yeah. couple others, but uh, as far as like main characters, you've got Lando and you've got Finn, and yeah. and it would be crazy to I, make them related. I would be, I'll be so. Mad in the whole galaxy, there's like, one family, on. <laughs> right? There's one yeah. black family, and they're related. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think they're gonna do that. But I, yeah, I, I hope they don't go too overboard. That's why, and like Kylo and Ray are late, and everybody's. I mean, and that's part of Star Wars, too, is that whole thing. Right. And I accept that, but I hope they don't go overboard with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, long story short, I would love it if Rey was a Force-adept pupil of maybe even of Luke at some point when Luke was running a Jedi Academy, or at least she was, like, in the running to be a part of the Academy, or, I, I mean, at least she's got to be from the Rebellion, or, like, from what became the New Republic, yeah. because she has the the helmet and she's got the the toy of the fighter yeah um so she i do she comes from that world somehow i think the accent is notable though i mean i I don't think that's something to because 
I don't know. Just also, the fact that like Finn is a uh, John Boyega is a British actor. Like, right. there's a reason why they have certain actors hide their right their accents and use an American accent, and they're letting her use her British. Yeah. I don't know. I, I listened like... to a podcast with John Boyega, and he was talking about how he tried Finn British, and it didn't work. Oh, and really? then they just made the choice to make him American because oh, Finn huh. is a little bumbling sometimes. Yeah, and. Uh, he sounded too smart too as a British person. Got to dumb him down. Let's make him sound like an American. Yeah. But I agree. I do agree that the, the accent is notable. Uh, I, I think she's, I think she's an Obi-Wan. I think she's a Kenobi. Yeah. I that do, would be great. I do think that they're going like to, and I like that. And I don't think she needs to be Luke's yeah. daughter, but I like the idea of her an Obi, as an Obi-Wan. Cause I think I sent you that article. I think you'd read it already. It's been one of the most well thought out, arguments for yeah. that and i just again going back to like if you're looking at it like cinematically and storytelling and literature wise i love the fact that you know obi-wan is the one that hands the lightsaber to luke and now yeah. ray is handy and just kind of in terms mm. of like an overall arc of a story and yeah. i like all of that i just feel like it'd be a really interesting and the and the fact that uh obi-wan gets it out of a chest and yeah. hands it to luke and then yeah. it's in a chest again and the, I don't know. I really liked that article and those patterns that he talked about. I liked that a lot too. I liked the idea of um, of feeling a family connection with people that aren't your blood relatives. Yeah. That's part of why I love Star Trek so much is because like the bridge crew on a Star Trek show feels like family to each other and to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the idea that like Luke, I'm sorry, the idea that Han and Leia would name their son after Obi-Wan ben, Kenobi yeah. is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And then the idea that they'd all watch out for Obi-Wan's granddaughter yeah. and make and keep her safe is very powerful. Yeah. And that Luke would kind of take her under his wing. If Luke is still good, if he takes her under his wing in the next movie, kind of becomes the Yoda character and trains her. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. I would love that so much. I'm so I'm excited, so excited. For, I'm so excited for eight, nine. Yeah. And how excited are you for Rogue One? Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure what to think of that one. I'm, I'm curious about, the spinoffs make me nervous. Yeah. I don't know. I, and just about the X, I don't know. I'm excited for anything Star Wars yeah. and I'm, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about it. Yeah. Let's so see. for a lot of people don't know about this. So I, I've, I've mentioned this to people and they're like, what are you talking about? So for people that don't know what this is, yeah. <laughs> um, Rogue One is the, the first Star Wars spinoff movie. It's coming out in a year mm-hmm. and it takes place right before episode four, New Hope. And it's about stealing the plans to the Death Star. The plans to the Death Star being like the big MacGuffin of the first movie where like getting those plans to the Rebel Alliance is the big deal of the whole movie. Yeah. The, we're going to have a whole movie about stealing those plans. Many Bothan spies Oh, that's, uh, that's the second no, Death Star. Right, that's a good one. <laughs> Do you remember in the Expanded Bothans. Universe novels where you like go, you meet the Bothans yeah, and go to their planet? The yeah, meet the Bothans. <laughs> Another spinoff. Another spinoff. <gasps> TV show spinoff. Meet the Bothans. <laughs> I like it. Starring Ben Stiller. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm super pumped about Rogue One because one of the biggest things for me about Force Awakens that I loved was just being on, like, being being on Starkiller Base and having it look like the Death Star. Being on the Star Destroyer and having it look like a Star Destroyer from the original trilogy. Yeah. Where the, the floors are black and reflective. Yeah. And everything just feels right and perfect. The Stormtroopers look like Stormtroopers. But it's all been updated a little bit. All looks a little bit different. Yeah. Rogue One, we're going back to the source. Right. I mean, it's yeah. going to... 
they're going to go to the Death Star from what I understand. Like, wow, see, you told me. I didn't even know that much about the Rogue One plot. I knew they were making it. I knew yeah. they just started, but I didn't know where they were placing it in time. That's actually really interesting. Now I'm more interested. <laughs> yeah, like my understanding is that there's sure going to be like a, a team of uh, like smugglers or bounty hunters or something that the Rebel Alliance hires, or maybe a team of rebels huh. that break into the Death Star to steal the plans for the Death Star. I, I'm not 100% sure if that's correct, but that's like the 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 rumors that have been out there is that it's gonna huh. they're going to actually go to the Death Star. There are fucking rumors that Darth Vader will be in it and that James Earl Jones has recorded dialogue. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, I'm getting really <laughs> flushed. Well, now I'm more I'm way more excited about it now. I did not I didn't even know that. It's really exciting. And then the next uh there they're calling them like Star Wars stories, these spinoff yeah. movies. They originally called them like anthology stories, but the next one's going to be the Young Han Solo movie. Yeah, and then which the... they've narrowed down the casting, I think, to three or four. One of them yeah. is James Franco's brother. Yeah. yeah. I just want it to be an unknown. I just want them to yeah. find Han Solo out there somewhere and just yeah. hire him. <laughs> That's going to be such a key. It's one of those things where casting is going to make or break the movie. Yeah, totally. You have to find the right person and that's a tough tough totally. tough order god yeah. that's such a how do you even do that and then after that the rumor is the boba fett movie yeah i've heard about that too rock the fuck on i mean can yeah. you believe it can you believe we're living in a time oh, where god. we might get a boba fett movie i know and oh. isn't that so oh. what a straight it's so crazy that i can't believe we live to see this yeah it's amazing i mean i it makes uh. me excited to have uh well again whether they're my kids or nephews or anything to just the fact that there's gonna be these Star Wars movies yeah. around, and then I'm that people are still gonna be excited about. I hope. Yeah. That it's gonna. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, they're they're following the Marvel. The and, Marvel. And God um, bless them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> if fine Disney with wants it. to buy everything and then make incredible shit out of um, it, that's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm hope for the for the Han Solo movie. Did you know that, like Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca, has some serious Back knee issues. issues. Knee issues, yeah. yeah so he they can't really found, walk around. Well, they, ca- yeah, so they yeah. have a, a younger, yeah, yeah, who did a lot of the scenes uh, in The Force Awakens, some Norwegian or Yeah, some, this yeah. guy that they hired to play the stand-in for Chewbacca is apparently <laughs> the biggest Chewbacca fan on the planet. He's super tall and <laughs> yeah. he has like studied everything possible and took this very seriously to recreate a Chewbacca performance and make it perfect. So when, in The Force Awakens, when you see Chewbacca running around, it's a stand-in. Yeah. Because Peter Mayhew can't do he it. He can't do it anymore, yeah. Uh, and they did a really, 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 really good job of it. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, like, when you have close-ups and you see his face, it is Chewbacca, and yeah. he looks like Chewbacca, and I didn't it feels even know, right. I didn't even know that until recently, that that's they were awesome. using a different yeah. actor. I didn't, it didn't even, I didn't notice the difference or anything so that's great yeah and a worry of mine going into the movie was that Chewbacca would be like not as mobile because yeah I, mean, I, I was at a Star Trek convention and Chew- and Peter Mayhew was there signing autographs which oh, was really, really interesting oh. um so I, I didn't get an autograph because I didn't want to spend fifty dollars I did spend fifty dollars to have uh Counselor Troy sign my action figure <laughs> But I also had a long conversation with her before that. So at that point, I felt like I I was in that weird situation where, like, you kind of feel like you have to spend money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway. But Peter Mayhew, I didn't I didn't even walk up to the table because I didn't have any money left. So I was just like, I don't even wow, want to $50 engage. $50 an autograph? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would have done that. Uh, but <clears throat> so what I was thinking about the young Han Solo movie, how cool would it be to have that that young guy who's the stand-in in The Force Awakens just play Chewbacca in the new yeah. movie? 
and have a super lithe young Chewbacca. Lively, yeah. Because we've got the guy to do it. I mean, he he has the mannerisms down. Yeah. Because, I mean, the mannerisms of Chewbacca are very particular. And he really... Like yeah. shakes his head the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this, got, yeah, this guy did his work. He did it right. And what a great character. Even the fact that he's mm, like thought of that like little head shake. Yeah. You know, and he's ugh. something I've always loved is Chewbacca's arms because he's so like scrawny looking, and he's supposed to be so <laughs> right? strong. Yeah. But when he but raises he his arms up and like the fur. hair falls away, he's all fur. He's really scrawny looking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but man, he'll he'll rip the ears off a of Gundark. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> well, we did it. We talked all yeah. the way through the movie. <laughs> I know. I th- I think we we successfully dissected and analyzed and loved on yeah. this movie. And it was glorious. Yeah. I, it was good. I feel like... <sighs> yeah. I, I was even like worried to like post that Facebook bet because I was like, I need to talk to Jesse. I gotta like <laughs> I had so much so many feelings I had to get yeah. out. So this was This was awesome. And I'm glad that we did it because it would have been such a different conversation if it just been after the first viewing right. too. And I'm glad I'm we got almost, to see I'm, it together too. Yeah. Like seeing the movie with someone who <laughs> I felt like I could kind of make noises. Because I'm <laughs> when I'm at a theater and I have a noise to make, I try to hold it in, but you can let it go. It's like, uh, it's, you know, it's nice to like, uh, like at the very beginning of the movie, Star Wars popped up at the screen and I wanted to scream and I didn't for a second. I was like, I'm letting it go. And, I, and then I screamed. I know, you did a woo! Yeah. Because <laughs> like Star Wars is one of those things where you go to the theater, you can make some noise, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's a really fun theater environment. It's a fun thing to see with yeah. other people because people yeah. are screaming and they love it. And every yeah. time I've seen the movie, there's been some noise in the crowd. That's what I wanted. I Well, I mean, for more than what, obviously I had to see it like opening weekend or within the first, but that's part of what I wanted like to hear people scream when Han Solo came on and yeah. like seeing the Millennium Falcon kind of sharing that experience yeah. with other people man I'll never oh. forget the moment where the Millennium Falcon was revealed people started screaming in the crowd before I knew what was happening like people were screaming like what are you screaming for I'm like holy shit that's the Millennium Falcon like it took me longer to register that that's what was happening than the people that were around me in the theater which is really <laughs> interesting but it's so cool but yeah, I really wanted to talk to you about expanded universe stuff, but we're going to have to do that another time. <laughs> we could have a whole... Well, I plan on actually... I want to reread a lot of the book. I started yeah. reading some of uh, the Thrawn trilogy again. Awesome. So yeah, that could definitely be another podcast. <laughs> we'll totally... We'll have to do that in the future. Yeah, uh, sure. But yeah, this was amazing. What a fun day. We like went to see Star Wars and then we talked <laughs> about was, it for two and a half oh, hours. <laughs> the best. <laughs> It was great. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. Yeah. Hey, anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go, dudes. Thanks for sticking with us through that entire conversation. Definitely the longest episode I've had so far. Uh, We'll call it we'll call it the Force Awakens special edition because it's just everything I ever wanted to talk about about Force Awakens in one giant episode. I wanted to remind everyone that the second half of the Skillshot Pincast crossover is coming out tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, the 27th. So make sure you subscribe to the Skillshot Pincast on the podcast platform of your choice to see that episode when it pops up tomorrow. And absolutely check out uh, the rest of their show because Graham and Kayla, as you experienced last week, are wonderful. (laughs) And you can find them online at skill-shot.com. So I I know this episode's already super ridiculously long, but, uh, you know, as I have things ready to share, I like to share them. 
and I have a new version of Cosmic Child ready to share. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since I shared a work in progress with you. It's probably because I had to move and didn't get to work on it for a while. But things are kind of settled a little bit now. You'll notice there was no background noise in this episode, which was awesome. I'm very excited about that. I finally fixed that problem. Uh, of course, there will be a couple podcasts coming out that I've already recorded uh, with the Mugatu boys that will have background noise, but we'll we'll deal with that bridge when we when we cross it. Uh, so I finally had the chance to have an afternoon free where I could work on Cosmic Child, and it was really magical. Uh, I've been playing a temporary version of the vocals for you, just because you know I wanted to have a placeholder so you could hear what the melody was going to be and what the lyrics were going to be, but it was just one take. I just sang it once and it was you know it was fine it was okay it wasn't anything super special so when i finally sat down to work on the vocals you know i did my vocal warm-ups it's a totally different mindset to try to get the final vocal take and i can't even tell you how pleased i am with how this came out so i'm going to share with you the final vocals uh there's going to be a couple of backup vocals that i'm going to add in that are still not there and there's like one tiny little word that I want to re-sing to replace. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's just me being a, a picky piece of shit. Uh, but for the most part, this is the final vocal take. Uh, it's the exact same microphone that I'm talking to you in right now, the one that I use for the podcasts. So if you listen to podcasts and you like the song, then that's, I think it's something special that all of this cool creative stuff is happening right here in this room. And I'm just eternally grateful to anyone who pays attention, especially recently. I've been a little little down with the weather change up here in Seattle. It's the first year of my, it's like my fifth winter, fifth or sixth winter up here. It's the first time that the weather seems to be kind of getting to me. Uh, but on top of that, just, you know, being someone who wants to be an artist, well, I, I consider myself an artist, but the difference between me and and other people out there who consider themselves artists is a lot of them are making money for what they do and they can support themselves and live off of it. And it's very frustrating to have these, you know, creative impulses and act on them constantly and then have it not necessarily go anywhere besides the fact that other people get to hear it, which is great. I mean, that's amazing. And, you know, every once in a while, someone will come up to me and tell me how much one of my songs meant to them or how much a podcast episode meant to them. And those things really, really, really help me keep going. But um, it doesn't happen as often as you might think or as often as, uh, you know, as I would like, that's for sure. If you're here at the end of a two and a half hour episode, you're definitely among my core listeners. And I, I love you and I value you. And I appreciate that. Uh, my listenership has been okay. It's been less than I would like. Sci-Fi on Trial like totally blew this show out of the water, which really surprised me. Um, but and as much as I love Sci-Fi on Trial, it's so much harder to put together. And it's so much less personal. So this show like really means a lot to me. And the, the times I get feedback for people who listen to this show, it's really intense and and powerful and and emotional and wonderful. And I mean, that's the purpose of this whole conversation is to, you know, stimulate thought and to stimulate ideas and to have fun and to express myself and to let my guests express themselves. And it's such a podcasting is such a powerful way to be expressive I mean, here I am, like, talking to, to no one in my apartment by myself, and as I'm saying these words, it makes me feel better, just kind of getting things out there. So, yeah, so, long story short, if 
you know, if you listen to this, I'd love to hear from you. It would really, it would really mean a lot to me to get some feedback, even negative feedback. If there's things that you would like me to change about the show, I definitely probably won't do it, but I'd love to hear it. You know, <laughs> Uh, I mean, every once in a while I'll get feedback and there'll be something and I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I should, you know, take some of that and apply it to the show. Uh, I'm very critical of myself and critical of my work and critical of the show. So if there's a way that I can make it better, by all means, please let me know. Uh, and this show is for, for you as much as it is for me. I mean, this is my way to kind of exercise my demons and to get things out and to, uh, you know, be my own personal therapist by talking through things. I mean, if if my issues with Star Wars Episode One have not been apparent to you, I have issues with that movie that are that are far deeper than the film itself. But just to hear back from any of you in any way would would really mean a lot to me. It would help me keep going. Sometimes I I wonder how long I can keep on cranking these shows out if it's if the audience isn't growing. And I know that sounds maybe. I don't know. It sounds strange to me in some way to say that, but it's really important to me. I need to feel like there's a sense of a future and a sense of progression in everything that I do uh, because that's what stimulates my creativity. It's what stimulates my excitement for what I'm doing. And, you know, I have obviously endless things to say about science fiction. We're, um, we're about to hit episode 30 and I don't even feel myself slowing down in the slightest for wanting to create the content. Uh, but I do my, feel myself kind of questioning do people want it? Do people want to hear it? Because if I'm just throwing these things out there and it's not, um, you know, it's not what people want to hear, then, you know, there's something sad about that. And maybe I should change. Uh, and I have this other show, I have Sci-Fi on Trial, that I know that people want to hear. The reaction to that was really strong. Uh, the listener counts were way higher. And, you know, it's, I hate to kind of like boil everything down to numbers, but you know, numbers are a big deal in podcasting. I'd, I'd love to get to the point where I have strong enough numbers that I could approach some, uh, some sponsors and maybe get some money coming in for the show. And I'd, of course, what I'd prefer to have happen is to have some people, uh, that are interested in the show donate a dollar a month to the Patreon campaign, but that has not been going so well. And maybe that's part of why I'm a little bummed out recently. You know, it's not, it's not that I have to have money to do this at all. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have gotten this far if that was the case. But uh, it's more its more a support thing. It's more just, you know, not feeling alone out here in the podcast universe. That would really mean a lot. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to share with you this work in progress of Cosmic Child. Uh, Johnny Unicorn and I are working on a music video for this. We're in the planning phase right now, and Naomi Smith is going to be in it, both of whom you've heard on the show before. Uh, and I, I'm pretty pumped about that. It's going to be a fun project to work on. So hopefully that'll be coming out within, uh, I'd hope like three months maybe. And, uh, and yeah, and this song is almost done. So I just need to finish those last few backup vocals. And then I need to finish the mix and the master. There's been quite a lot of work on the mix that I did on this version of it since the last time you heard it. Uh, but this has not been mastered yet. So getting closer to that shimmery, wonderful pop sound that I love to go for. So if you like this episode, please let me know. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Sci-Fi Project. You can send me an email, sci-fi at jessemercury.com. If you have something you want to say or you want me to say to the audience, then yeah, email it to me. I'll, t I'll check it out and see if it's something that I can put on the show, sci-fi at jessemercury.com. That's an easy one to remember. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you're still here, not only after a two and a half hour episode, but after me, you know, <laughs> just kind of bearing my soul at the end, then 
then fuck yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And here is Cosmic Child.